Hello and welcome to Horror Court Trash Over, the show that discusses all of the masterpieces and trash to pieces of genre cinema. I'm Gary. And I'm Chris. And we're back with another Through the Years episode. We are, yeah, a meaty episode. A meaty, kind of. well, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> we're taking you back to the 90s for this one. 90s and early 2000s. Uh, a time when we had the likes of Scream, Urban Legend, I Know What You Did Last Summer, The Faculty... Uh, some real classics, you know, uh, a whole new wave of horror uh, had come about, and this franchise came about with it. It did, it, yeah. Yeah. At the same time, rather than because of <laughs> that new wave of millennial horror, I yeah. feel. Well, we are discussing today um, what is by far also the worst horror franchise I've ever had the displeasure of sitting through. Spoiler alert, but yes. Um, the first film is great, and we will tell you about why it's great, but after that, it's immediately all downhill. Whereas how a razor takes a bit for it to go downhill, um, you know, I'm sure there are other franchises as well that are rough to begin with, um, but maybe pick up along the way. This is just one good film, and the rest is just abysmal. It's a sharp, sharp dive in quality, and... It must have hit its head on the way down because it stays right at the bottom of the barrel. Really, really bad. Yeah, and it's, yeah. it's <laughs> one of those franchises where it's no confusing. Way. It's really confusing because this is a simple premise. A simple premise that really you shouldn't be able to go wrong with. It's well, fun. It, the films aren't really connected. No. And it's weird hearing Gary refer to it as a franchise because to me, it just feels like four films that happen to be about the same or similar things. Yeah. It doesn't, the films don't feel connected in any real way. That's it true. It doesn't feel like a quadrilogy because there's not one big story that's being told. It just happens to be about the Wishmaster. Yeah. And with that being said, we are discussing Wishmaster, Wishmaster. through the years. Starting in 1997 with the original camp classic. Directed by Robert Kurtzman, who directed Buried Alive, The Rage, Not Carry 2, Deadly Impact, and previous podcast film, The Demolitionist. Uh, and if you listen to that episode, you'll know he also did special effects, and he was in the makeup department for From Dust Till Dawn trilogy, Misery, Scream, Evil Dead 2, Army of Darkness, Halloween 5, Texas Chainsaw 3D, Spy Kids 1 and 2, Nightmare on Elm Street 5, Leatherface, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3, and more. When special effects masters go into directing, yeah. it doesn't always work out for it, the best. It doesn't. But this one, spoiler alert, is um quite good. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And and the demolitionist demolitionist was alright. It was good. Actually. Yeah. Um Wait, was it good? Or it was, was it so right. bad it's good? No, it was alright. Okay. It was alright. Um, written by Peter Atkins, who also wrote Hellraiser 2, 3 and 4. Double Vision, Inside Out, Not That Inside Out, Fist of the North Star, Prisoners of the Sun, and Perversions of Science. Yeah, I think he wrote characters for Hellbound, didn't he? Was it? Um, or, or he wrote Hellbound and then some of the characters were continued I, on. In the I believe series. he actually wrote the, those three films. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, wow. And you can tell, this has definitely got a Hellraiser sort of vibe to it. It does, yes. Yeah. 
made on a budget of $5 million and it made $15.7 million worldwide. Mm. So it'll probably shock you when I tell you this is the only theatrically released film in this franchise. Mm. Do you have a history with Wishmaster? Because I know you only watched it for the first time for the podcast. Yeah, but absolutely not. Did I, you, had you even heard of it? I I probably had, but totally forgot about it. Um, It wasn't on my radar back in the day. Uh, I think it was just one of those random, like, I, I assumed it was a bit like um, Witchboard or Witchcraft or... One of those sort of films that was just a cheap... I didn't even realise it was 1997. I thought it was way earlier than mm. that. Um, I, I've got no history of this film apart from I watched it literally less than a week ago. Pleasant surprise then? Yes, yes. Uh, yeah, for me, I mean, this film was huge. I, you know, I very much couldn't get away from it. Like, every time you go Blockbuster, it was there... You know, with Virgin Megastore back in the day, it was there. My parents had it on VHS, then on DVD. Um, yeah, I just, I thought this was a big horror film that everyone knew about. And I mean, with that worldwide gross as well, you know, I I kind of feel like this is bigger than it, it actually is. It's, it's quite shocking. I think it came out at the right time because it's West Craven Presents. Yes. Um, so, of course, this is coming off the back of New Nightmare, Scream, Scream 2. Everyone would have flocked to see this, especially given its connection to the genre. So, uh, obviously, a big thing about this film is there is many cameos in it from horror legends. It also pays homage to the Twilight Zone. Uh, the character's name, Beaumont. Charles Beaumont was a frequent writer of the show. The Jin's line, going my way when he uh, stops Alexandra in the car, is a reference to the Hitchhiker episode where a mysterious man continually plagues a female driver with the line, I believe you're going my way. Oh. Uh, and the scene with a shop assistant wishing for eternal beauty is transformed into a mannequin echoes the after hours where a female shopper is revealed to be one of the store's mannequins made human. Um, characters Paul names... Kim I know, yeah. Uh, characters names Finney, Beaumont, Dalef, uh, and Merritt are all references to early 20th century science fiction or horror writers... Jack Finney, Charles Beaumont, uh, August Derloff, and Abraham Merritt. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, with that being said, before we talk about who's in it, we have a very special bonus section oh. of... You can still say the name of it. Oh, can I? Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, so this is... Uh... <laughs> Sorry, I've just sprung this on Chris you right have, now. Yeah. Yes. Um, this is our professionalism <laughs> level. So this is the section we like to call, Hey, I Know You. Cameos edition. Cameos edition. Yeah. So, quick fire round. Oh, God. Go for it, Gary. Angus Scrim from Phantasm as the narrator, voice only. George Bookflower from Back to the Future as Homeless Man. Ted Remy from Evil Dead 2 as Ed Finney. Kane Hodder from Friday the 13th, parts 7 to 10 as Merritt's Guard. Tony Todd from Candyman as Johnny Valentine. Reggie Bannister from Phantasm as the pharmacist. Joseph Pilato from Day of the Dead as Torelli. Dennis Hayden from Die Hard as security guard. And Tom Savini from Everything as Man in Pharmacy. <laughs> yeah, it's very cameo heavy. It is. With male With Yeah, very disappointing. Stars. A little disappointing. Yeah. 
Um, if we it's a get... testosterone-heavy franchise, isn't it? It is, really, to a certain degree. Which is what makes me love our lead character so much. But before we talk about her, mm-hmm. we've got to get into the section we like to call... Hey, I know you. Yeah, Normal the standard edition. version. Standard. <laughs> Tommy... Okay. Uh, Tammy... Not Tommy. Tammy Lauren plays uh, Alexandra Amberson. She was in Mork and Mindy, Homefront, The Last Flight of Noah's Ark, I Saw What You Did Remake, The Step for Children, Desperate for Love, and more. Uh, and originally they wanted Dinah Meyer for this role. Oh, okay. Yeah, that would be good. But I am very glad we got Tommy. Uh, oh my God, Tammy. Tammy. Lauren. Um, yeah. She was She's... in... Uh... <laughs> Uh, Mad, M-A-D-D, Mothers Against Drunk Drivers. Nice. Which is something I am desperate to watch. She is so melodramatic in this role and does a lot of, like... I I feel like she carries a lot of testosterone herself in this film. Like, I feel like she is a real strong female lead. Uh, She is. I do... uh... I, I just kind of feel like, and it's something I'll keep bringing up, so I might as well mention it now. I just feel like they give you a, a strong female lead, which is fantastic. And then, like, nothing else. Like, there's the sister, but the sister's not really a character. And then there's all these men mm. all the time. And then these cameos. It's cool to have the cameos. Yeah. Um, but it's all male you know, there's no scream queens it's true. there. It's true. Pro's, it was Pro's in a Heather Langen camp. Pro's yeah. in a Felissa Rose. It's a big missed opportunity. Yeah. Um, as as much as I love this film, there's a one big thing I'd change about it. I mean, you know, I feel like we're maybe at a stage where we could do a requel to this film where it's turned on its head with the genders and maybe have some female screen queens in there. It's just, I, I don't understand why they didn't get anyone. You know, when screen queens are such a huge part of horror, I don't understand yeah. why. It's a difficult one because they don't, the cameos actually don't play much into the story necessarily. No. So it's not like they're playing on established characters. Mm-hmm. So, for example, Robert England, nothing about him is referencing Freddy Krueger. No. You know, the, you know, Ted Raimi, Joseph Pilato, they're just playing characters. Yeah. It's got, there's no, like, wink, wink, nudge, nudge-ness to it. So it's kind of a weird having these cameos, mm-hmm. but kind of what, what, so you can get their names in the trailer? Well, that's the thing. Cool. I mean, it if was... that gets people's yeah. seats, you know. I mean, I remember it being one of the big silent points was mm. all these horror legends together in one yeah. film. Um but it's but, not like the Expendables. No, in that it's sense. not. There was no. a, a a sort of story arc that doesn't actually involve many of them. Mm. Yeah, it's harder, isn't it? But I do think Tammy Lauren um, yeah, really holds great, her own yeah. in this film, and you know she gives us a character that is genuinely yeah, really yeah. interesting, someone to root for. Yeah, no, absolutely more than safe for anyone in the rest of this fucking franchise. Yeah, uh, Andrew Divoff plays the Jin. And Nathaniel Demarest, he was in Air Force One, Bushmaster 2, of course, uh, Another 48 Hours, Twist Soldiers, Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, Faust, Love of the Damned, and more. Uh, and inclu- according to an interview in 2016 with Pop Horror, it took three and a half hours to get into costume with an hour and a half 
to get out of costume, uh, according to Divoff. He said his favourite scenes for the film were the ones where he shared scenes uh, with his uh, monstrous brethren. Oh. What was in this film, was it? Which I, I personally don't remember in his film. No. Um, we watched it a short while ago. That seems to be uh, the fourth one, but okay. He No, there was brethren in... In part two, was there? Yeah, I think so. Okay, full disclaimer, mm. okay? We watched, for the listeners, not for you, we watched these films back to back Yeah, in one day. Uh, one of the worst days of my life. But we <laughs> did. We watched these four films back to back. So there might be just a little bit of... Obviously, we have our notes, but there might be just be a little bit of confusion here. Yeah, Ultimately... I don't care. I, I don't care. <laughs> I really don't. Well, I'm, 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 I'd go as far as saying that that interview, he may have got his films mixed up because I don't think they're really the same. He may have, he, you know, he may have watched them back to back as well and given <laughs> full hope. Um, Forgot he wasn't in the fourth one. Well, he was also in Mac and Me, so, you know. Oh, good for him. He's, he's made a career of being in not very well-regarded films and then the odd really well-regarded films. Robert Englund, of course, is Raymond Balmon, and as you've heard from many episodes of ours, he's starred the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise, Phantom of the Opera, The Mangler, Urban Legend, Eating Alive, StarQuest Two, Stranger Things, and more. Um, he has his role isn't a cameo; he gets a bigger role than mm. all the other horror legends that are in this. Yeah, yeah. It. I mean, I still wouldn't say. At the end of the day, it. It's about expectations about what you want from the film. I yeah. didn't want Robert England to be nominated for an Oscar. No. I just wanted him to play a really cool part and be Robert England. And he kind of did it. So it's like, yeah. yeah, cool. Chris Lemon plays Nick Merritt. He was in Airport 77, Firehead, Duet, Just Before Dawn, Blonde, Roe vs. Wade, My Dog the Space Traveller, Thunder in Paradise, Hollywood Air Force, and more. Who did he play? Uh, he played Nick. Who's Nick? Nick, as in uh, the guy who constantly tries it on with our lead. Oh, him. Yes. Okay. Oh, yeah. From the Happy Hawker Ghost Hollywood. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> actually, actually, I apologise. I do not believe that is that character. Who's Nick the boy? I don't fucking know. I don't. No, he's... Josh is the boyfriend. Oh Josh is the boyfriend. He's in the nineties, of course. A boy, but well, he's not a boyfriend. Her love interest is Josh. Of course, he is. He's the nineties. But this, all the men throughout the whole series, they do really look alike. I'm he's a sorry. jeweler. Nick's a jeweler. They, they all look. I mean, they're white brunette men <laughs> who look like they probably did direct to video. He's not even a jeweler. I got that wrong as well. <laughs> He's, he's the guy who sets. Do you know what? Funny enough, he's the guy who sets the entire plot in motion. Oh, he's the auctioneer, the he, smarmy auctioneer, her boss. No, he's the driver of the forklift that causes the uh, stone to come. No, loose. that's Joseph. Oh, Pilato. do you know what? who gives a shit? Chris Lemon's in the film. <laughs> Wendy Benson Landis uh, <laughs> plays Shannon Amberson, and she was in Ugly Betty, nice. Desperate Housewives, It's It's Burlesque. It's... Still breathing, Ghost Whisperer. Do, do you remember Ghost Whisperer? I, oh, um, what a fever dream that is! Jennifer Love, Jennifer Hewitt. Love Hewitt. 
<laughs> whispering to ghosts. Do you remember Horse Whisperer? Do you remember Demi Lovato whispering to ghosts and singing to them? She certainly didn't whisper. Charmed, uh, Breakfast with Einstein, Where's Marlowe, and more. Where's Marlowe? Also known as Sex Tech. No, it's, it's not. Oh, um, I was thinking, is that a uh, Real Housewives of Atlanta spin-off? Yeah, Shannon doesn't get enough to do. Um, she didn't get fuck all to do. But I'm glad she was in Ugly Bay. So let's talk about our first, our four feature presentations. Don't make a sound. Don't make a move. And whatever you do, don't make a wish. Wes Craven presents. Make your wish. Wishmaster. Be careful what you wish for. Rated R. Coming soon. A narrator, Angus Scrim, uh, explains that when once in a lifetime before time, God breathed life into the universe. The light gave birth to angels. The earth gave birth to men. The fire gave birth to the jinn. Creatures condemned to dwell in the void between the worlds. I love Angus Scrim. He is one of the creepiest people who've ever existed. I mean, I bet, he's lovely. I bet he was possible. lovely in real life yeah. as well. It all tends his, to be that way. His voice is iconic. We learn that Harry Manfredini did the soundtrack, which is yeah. pretty cool for a 1997 horror film. It's a very good soundtrack as well. Yeah, it's good. Um, if a person wakes a gin. They will receive three wishes, but the third wish will free legions of jinn on Earth. So maybe there's a brief scene with... I think there was actually now. There might have been. Yeah. Anyway, in... (laughs) Now, this is jinn as in D-J-I-N-N. Yes. Not as in Mother's Mother's Ruin, G-N-T, gin and tonic. Um, In 1,127, one of these uh, jinn... Andrew Devoff's gin asks a Persian emperor to make his second wish. When the emperor wishes to see wonders, the gin uses his powers to torture and mutilate people in the Paris, in Paris, in the palace, including one guy who ends up looking like Han Solo frozen in carbonite, which was the one image that stuck with me as a kid because yeah. I loved Return of the Jedi and Empire Strikes Back, and it always made me think of that whenever I saw it. Um, another who has what looks like a chest burst come out of him. And another whose skeleton literally leaves his body and attacks someone else. One thing you're going to get in a film directed by a special effects maestro. You're going to get some really fucking stellar special effects. And I have to say, these looked fantastic. Yeah. This opening scene, I was like, I am ready for this. Yeah. Considering what the franchise became, Mm -hmm. you compare this opening to the ending of part four... Jesus Christ, you it's, know, I, this I, is yeah. really, really good horror cinema. It makes it, it makes the rest of the franchise baffling because this Just, film, from the second it starts to the moment it ends, it is constant, non-stop action horror. It never stops. Yeah, to it, I mean, yeah. Like, even You like, have when, a few talky yeah, scenes, but, but those when are you interesting. really look at this as a horror film, yeah. the special effects, the... Um, goriness, the establishing a story, you know, all that part of just just this opening scene. You compare that to the rest mm. of the, the, the three sequels. It's like, how did you get it so wrong? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
But yeah, it's it's a fantastic opening scene, and the effects have aged so well. It's something that I was nervous about because I haven't watched this since I was like early teens. Yeah, yeah, I was, and for me, I was thinking, oh god, we're gonna get some late nineties CGI mm. bullshit. No, no, it's nope. it's there. Save that for the sequels. And you know, con- considering late nineties maybe wasn't a time where. Films could be gory horror films mm, without yeah. getting the old chop, getting the snip, and um, yeah, yeah I, I'm assuming this this is how it was released. Yeah, this isn't like some uncut edition that we watched. No, this is. I mean, this is the actual film as it is. Yeah, cool. The emperor is horrified, but the jinn tells him to use his third wish to set things right. Before the emperor can make his third wish, Zoroaster. A sorcerer explains the consequences of the third wish and reveals a fire opal, which pulls the jinn inside and traps him. And then we're taken to present day America, where in 1997, Raymond Belmont supervises workers lowering a box containing an antique statue of Ahura Mazda onto a ship. The crane operator is Joseph Pilato from Day of the Dead. Do you, did, you, did you hear what uh, Robert England said? I've waited 10 years for this piece. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, in Ted Raimi, because uh, um, Joseph Pilato is really drunk uh, and he drops the box, but before that, Ted Raimi's like, does the word dumbass mean anything to you? <laughs> but the box is dropped on him. <laughs> what? I could any time. You do an impression of an excited American person. It sounds like the Ginger Rogers. I'm like, oh, Mae West. Oh, even Ted Raimi. It's just programmed into my brain. Just think about Mae West all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Ed Finley, who is Ted Raimi, uh, is murdered by a fallen statue. Splat. Yeah. Uh, a dock worker steals the, steals the fire opal from the rubble and pawns it. And we're introduced to Alexandra Alex Amberson, our final girl, and her close friend and colleague Josh Aikman, who are playing tennis together. And she friend zones him. Yeah, and the boss, um, the owner of Regal Auctioneers, Nick Merritt, played go. by Chris Lemon. Mystery solved. Is, well, I mean, Money Obsessed, I think, is what the film's yeah. going for. Money, yeah. money, money. What can I sell it for? Don't care where it came from. Uh huh. Um, how much? How show me the money? Yeah. Oh, was this? Oh, I'm surprised he didn't say show me the money. Uh huh. Oh, this was the same year, wasn't it? As um, Jerry Maguire. Was it? I think so. Nineties trivia there. There you go. Anyone who cared? Uh well, Josh. Uh, he wants to take Alex out for dinner and a movie. But she's like, how about we go to a ba- uh, to a baseball game with some hot dogs? Uh, he does not want to take no for an answer. He's an absolute fucking creep. He is. They both look extremely 90s as well. Um, let's just put that out there right now. He's that, like, what teen comedy best friend. Yeah. That's secretly in love with her. But they're grown-ass adults. So he's just a weird, well, was a weirdo in the teen comedies as well, but yeah. even more of a fucking weirdo. But and also annoyingly, he's conventionally attractive as well. It's like, you know, weirdo, go find someone 
it wants to be with you. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like you're conventionally attractive. You're not like an incel or anything. Mm-hmm. I, you know what I mean. I know what you mean. Know <laughs> you know what I mean. Uh, eventually, the jewel reaches Regal Auctioneers, where Nick Merritt instructs appraiser yes. Alex to examine it. So she blows on it, which awakens the gin. Oh, yes, of course. The blow of a good woman awakens the gin. Yeah. Alex sees... What would you know? <laughs> good point. Alex sees something inside the jewel and leaves it with Josh to analyse. He uses the opportunity to ask her out again. Yeah. And at this point, you know, I know Chris was definitely with us because he actually said it. We were all thinking, you know, we want him to die first. Uh, and, I mean, much like everything in this film, my wish is soon granted. I know, yeah. <laughs> Alex coaches a basketball team, uh, gives them a motivational speech. I was inspired. Yeah, um, there was a good emphasis on the word stillness, mm-hmm. wasn't there? So you know it's coming back. You knew it was coming back. These, uh, I'm assuming it's a high school a basketball team of, of young women. Mm-hmm. And um, the emphasis is on when everything around you is going crazy and you've got to make that decision. Everyone's capable of getting the ball in the net. Yeah. You just need to stay still. That stillness, stillness of mind. Uh, yeah. yeah. I, I, I can feel this. Um, as Josh is collecting data, the gem explodes, destroying the lab and releasing the gym. Josh, who is wounded, wishes for relief from his physical pain. And the gin grants his wish by killing him, which helps him transform from a little Mars Attacks looking alien type character <laughs> yeah. into a full size gin again. And Alex has some sort of telekinetic reaction to this. I love the imagery in this scene. Yes, it's, it's creepy. A little Hellraiser. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. When Frank comes back to life. It's that's what. Yeah. It... It's kind of yeah. Instead of um, cheating husbands, mm. it's wishes that he feeds on. Yeah. Um. I I think it's interesting, and I think it's a very interesting premise. This whole Wishmaster. Um. It's reminiscent of that episode of The Simpsons, Treehouse of Horrors. Mm-hmm. Where they get the monkey paw, yeah, and make wishes, but the wishes are never quite what mm-hmm. they thought they were going to be. What year was that episode? Was it? I don't know because it it wouldn't surprise me if it was around the same time. If it was kind of mm. yeah, considering um, this influence. made a lot of money, but the whole throughout the four films, the whole franchise, the idea is that people make their wishes or they're goaded into making a certain wish that they believe will help them, but is twisted, mm-hmm. but still true, Yeah, twisted by the Wishmaster ending in them dying. Mm-hmm. That's the whole premise. That's pretty much it. They're the kill scenes. Yeah. Some of them are pun-based or, or, you know, based on parts of their personality, which is really... Interesting, you know, very close to Nightmare on Elm Street mm-hmm. territory in, in a certain degree. But I think it's really interesting. I think it could have really made some really cool films. Yeah. I do wonder when that episode was. Mm. If anyone knows, hits up. Yeah. Um. So the gin kills a pharmacist, played by Reggie Bannister, with the wish of a vengeful vagrant, uh, played by George Buckflower, 
whom the pharmacist just had an argument with, and it is an entertaining argument. Oh, we got foul mouthed. Reggie Bannister and George Buckflower just constantly swearing at each other. Yeah. Uh, he gives the pharmacist the wishes for the pharmacist to have cancer. So he gives him cancer, which somehow makes his skin bubble up in a very graphic way. It, it's gruesome. Very, very gruesome. And again, really great special effects. Yes. Alex, having been informed of Josh's death by Lieutenant Nathanson, tracks the gem to the statue which he tracks to Beaumont, who shows Alex's room of lost gods, which includes the Pazuzu statue from The Exorcist, but with a smaller cock. Yeah, less... Yeah, it's not quite erect. Prominent genitalia. Yeah. But it's still there. Still, still there. there. Still, you still it's, see it. You know, it's not the size... Of the statue cock, it's the motion in the ocean. Exactly. Um, so he sends her to visit Wendy Darluff, who is an absolute queen, yeah. played by Jenny O'Hara, and a folklore professor, who informs her that Robert Englund's an insufferable prick. An insufferable... What an insufferable prick that man is. <laughs> Meanwhile, the gin takes the form of a dead man and uses the name Nathaniel Demarest. When he does this, in, in what is, I believe, to be an iconic scene... He blinds the coroner because he wishes not to see what's happening. Uh, and as soon as he puts on Nathaniel's face, he makes Alex start screaming at Beaumont uh, with her eyes popping. Ramona on the runway style. Ramona on the one, uh, runway style, definitely. Yeah. Uh, what I loved about Wendy was she doing her best. Oh my God, it's the same year, all these correlations. Because she's put, she's doing her best David Warner. Yeah. And she's putting on some sort of old Greek mythology uh-huh. play whilst she's been interviewed by Alex. Uh-huh. <laughs> wow. All these correlations in 1997. She's she's classic. Because um, it's also giving me Urban Legend. Who's the actress in Urban Legend that gives all the exposition? Or as I know, as I know what he did last summer, um, who lives in that... Anne Hesch. Anne Hesch, yeah. Anne Hesch, isn't Yeah, Anne Hesch, yeah. 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 The, she's also given me that as well. It's uh, very much the classic 90s exposition character. Mm. Um, she explains the history of the gem and the nature of the gin. The gin grants wishes in exchange for souls, but as gins are demonic in nature, the wishes will be twisted into curses for the gin's amusement. And she says, now, hold a minute. Forget what our culture has made of the gin. Forget Barber Eden. Forget Robin Williams. To the people of ancient Arabia, a gin was neither cute nor funny. It was something else entirely. It was the face of fear itself. Yeah, um, obviously, gin has been... Inter- and I'm not sure if this is true, um, or it's just for the film. Gin a thing? Oh god, yeah, no, of course it is. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Oh, and then became a genie. Yeah, yeah. So good old Barbara Eden and I Dream of Genie and (laughs) Robin Williams in Aladdin. She didn't mention Shaq. (laughs) She she didn't. I was, I was disappointed. Was that after this? (laughs) No, no, before. I swear it was before this. (laughs) What was that film? I can't remember. I just remember Shaq. it being referenced in scary movies. I remember Shaq Fu, the video game. Oh, what the was film the... where Shaq plays a genie? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> uh, again, if you know what it is. No, we this this one has to be. <laughs> this one will take a lot less time. So it's Shaquille O'Neal. Yeah, because I mean, I don't think he was in. Uh, I don't think he was exactly in a lot of films. 
No, no. We get a full um, acting career. Oh, there we go. Here we go. So Shaquille O'Neal, star of Lego Movie, Hustle, Grown Ups Two, Hubie Halloween, The House Bunny. Jack, did he just in anything I mean, that Adam Sandler was in? <laughs> that's great, but what did he play a genie in? <laughs> oh, sorry, I thought we were doing uh, Hey, I Know You. Um, it was Kazam. Kazam, there we Kazam go. Kazam was the name of the film from 1996. Probably a future podcast film, let's be honest. Potentially. Potentially. The gin grants sales clerk uh, Arielis uh, wish for eternal beauty by turning her into a mannequin, and it's high camp. Oh, I love this scene. What I really loved was the mannequin genuinely looked like a Donna yeah. Summer waxwork. <laughs> I was like, yes, I'm living for it. Uh-huh. Um, he makes cash appear in her cleavage <laughs> as well. That's a magic trick. Yeah. Very, very entertained by that scene. But again, and it's something else that crops up a lot in the franchise, is that women's wishes tend to be about a certain aspect the, and it's their it's their appearance you're almost right the side characters the side women that we're not really meant to care about too much they're the ones who yeah no care about the main, sex the ma- and appearances yeah the main main women the main women they're just you know they're they're muddled they're, they're, they're muddled they've had a troubled background <laughs> it's yeah it's a bit here there and everywhere with them but generally i found with the Fodder, you know, the, yeah. the, the random the disposable kills, characters, disposable women. It was, oh, I wish I was thinner. Oh, I wish I didn't age. Mm. Oh, you know, and it's like, oh. Um, whilst Alex and Wendy are still talking, someone with a mask shows up and makes Alex jump. Like, oh, sorry, I wanted Professor Darlow to see how scary my mask was. Yeah. <laughs> Such a random scene. I don't know why it was there. <laughs> and again, I keep saying the franchise because it's true for all four films. There are a lot of random jump scares <laughs> for nothing. That's my favourite one, though. That's just... I do like it. That's In camp. small doses, it's camp. Um, Searching for Alex, he goes to um, Nathan's son, the genders, to gain her information. Nathanson uh, refuses to help him, but the gin grants Nathanson's wish to easily prove a criminal's guilt by having the criminal go on a shooting spree inside the police uh, precinct, where he also rips off a cop's jaw, and in the chaos, the gin finds Alex's home address and leaves. And this is a fucking cool scene. Yeah, it's really good. It's really, it really like good. Like Robocop. It does, yeah. <laughs> it really I mean, does. when the guy's jaw's ripped off, it's like, oh my God, this film is just not holding back. Whatsoever. Yeah. And again, like you said, for a film in 1997, that's genuinely shocking. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, you know, Scream's violent and gory, but it's like comedy as well. But Scream also you know, was in trouble with the MPAA. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's shocking to believe that this film wasn't listed officially as a comedy and mm. still got away with all of this. Yeah, I do find So it... I don't know if it's the fantasy elements. I don't know if fantasy gives you a free pass with the MPAA. I don't know. I don't know, unless there were cuts. and. But I, I feel like the, the Blu-ray that we watched would have screamed mm. uncut. Yeah. Yeah. It had been. Later, Alex learns that the djinn needs the, to power the gem with human souls and then grant her, the person who originally released him, free wishes before he can open the gateway to his fellow djinn on Earth. Yeah, a little convoluted, but, yeah. you know, it, it helps to elongate the film. 
a little bit. <laughs> Rather than just the three wishes yeah. for one person. Yeah. Um, the djinn then visits Nick, killing a security guard played by Kane Hodder along the way by fusing him into stained glass. Because uh, at first he wishes for the djinn to leave and we get a great scene of the djinn just turning around and walking away. Uh, but then he said uh, he'd like to see the djinn go through him. So he literally goes through him. He does say the words, you'd have to go through me. And that's <laughs> something I'd like to see. Dirty Link. <laughs> Kane Hodder. So he goes through him. Oscar worthy performance here. Flawless. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he's got. Got his wish is to this, be in a film with Robert Englund. Is this the film where he famously debuted the facial hair? Or was it another film? That was Jason Goes to Hell, I believe. Was it? Oh, okay. Where Did he play a security uh, yeah, guard in that film? Yeah, he security guard in that as well. Okay, yeah. there we go. That's it. That's the one. That's me. Uh, he, he, he thinks a lot of all his appearances, no matter how small or big. Well, Watch you know, you gotta, you got to... Uh, yeah. you got to celebrate everything. You know, all your triumphs. Nick agrees to help uh, the djinn in exchange for a million dollars, which he receives when his mother takes out a life insurance policy. This scene is fucking so funny. She, she goes to, uh, to, to to the life insurance and she's like, it's for my son, Nick. He owns a very prestigious auction house. And then the next day she's killed in a plane crash. Well, that's, she's, she's at the airport. I don't know. You know, it's, oh, you've got to put your... Uh, next of kin on this and uh, she says oh yes it's my son Nick he owns a very prestigious auction house and then boom <laughs> and never to be mentioned again at all like no reference to this whatsoever Nick doesn't appear in the film again this plane just explodes and that, and then we cut straight to Alex like nothing uh-huh. no funeral, no Nick wailing, nothing <laughs> well he got his wish I mean he got her life insurance. I feel like, yeah, maybe it would be worth more than a million dollars. I don't know. I mean, if she's, if he's uh, prestigious. Yeah. And uh, maybe, well, I don't know. It is what it is. And let's not think too much. <laughs> Alex uh, has still been seeing these troubling visions every time the gin grants wishes. Mm-hmm. Um, which, again, is very camp for this film. It's all they completely overdo it in all the but this one, I love it, the little uh, raven psychic vision thing every time. Yeah, it is really cool. But if she'd had maybe a little more character building and it wasn't just for a lot of the film, her going, oh, <laughs> and pulling faces, then, you know, maybe I'd appreciate it a little more. I could have just done a little, uh, get a little more screen time, I feel. Yeah. In these moments, mm-hmm. you know. But she cons- she consults Dalif again, but soon realizes that she's talking to the jinn who has killed Dalif <gasps> and taken her form. Oh my god! He tells Poor Wendy had a face I snatched. Know. Yeah. Important to remember, he tells her he can't kill people; can only grant wishes. Now remember that when we talk about the fourth film. Mm-hmm. Um, she says she didn't wish to be dead. You lying sack of shit. To which he says she wanted she wished to be released from her fear. There you go. The djinn confronts Alex and offers her three wishes. And he says the shit just hit the fan, didn't it? He does have these little Freddy Krueger quips that he throws in every now and then. He does. In the spirit of fair play, he offers her a free wish just to see what will happen. 
She wishes for him to shoot himself, but he's immortal and the gunshot fails to harm him. Using the first of her three official wishes, she wishes to know what he is. So the djinn teleports her to his hellish world within the gem, which terrifies her as he boasts evil to her and gets his dog to chase her. Yeah, she says to it, I think, to herself, I can't remember. Um, she says, I always tell my girls to know their opponent, mm-hmm. which is why she asks, wishes to see more of his yeah. sort of backstory. Yeah. It's a clever, clever lady. Clever lady. Really great set piece as well uh, in his world and with the little demon dog chasing her. Again, very, very Hellraiser. Mm. Yeah, true. And also, we haven't mentioned it yet, but the makeup on the djinn himself, oh my God, it looks so good. It does. It's giving, I swear, this like character in Buffy the Vampire Slayer that kind of looks like... It's that sort of era yeah. um, where a lot of makeup... like I mean, it kind of looks like uh, Dorian from The Mask. You know, it's that sort of era where a lot of like demonic makeup looked very similar. Um, but it's, it's great. It, it has that 90s charm to it. Yeah, it's really cool. Yeah. Uh, she then... It looks a bit like um, the Haunted Mask... Goosebumps as well. Oh, okay. Yeah, yes. Well. Yeah, that's true. She then wishes herself to escape back to her apartment alone. The djinn had been threatening Alex's sister, Shannon. So Alex hurries to a party. Uh, Belmont invited them, invited them to earlier. The djinn follows, again disguised as Nathaniel Demarest. And another great scene. Alex tells Dorman Johnny Valentine, played by Tony Todd, to hold the djinn as uh, he's trying to kill her. Uh, Tony Todd, as cool as he always is yes. in this uh, amazing line delivery. Uh, the gym manipulates him into making a wish to escape his routine life, allowing the gym to trap Valentine in the Chinese water torture cell making whilst he makes his way into the party and says, Houdini did it in two and a half minutes. I actually, when I knew Tony Todd was in the film, I thought he may have been the voice yeah. for the gym. Just because it does sound like the voice he used in Candyman. As well as the voice of Emperor Palpatine. (laughs) Oh, really? Seriously? In the first two films, sounds dead on Emperor Palpatine. (laughs) The djinn charms Beaumont, who wishes his party would be unforgettable. And first the djinn causes artwork to kill Beaumont, the guests, and the security guards who are called in to help. Um, Amazing. It's just yeah. such a good third act. Um, a guest is like, oh, it's like you can see right through me. So she turns into glass and explodes, killing people with the glass. The man is decapitated with piano wire wrapped around yeah, his head. Yeah, the piano wire comes out of the piano and giving house. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, fantastic. So this is a film that's kind of bookended by these great yes. scenes. Yeah, people are set on fire. Oh, parties going wild and yeah. great special effects really cool robert england throws up a big creature that attacks alex yeah. and then the statues come to life and again even by 2023 standards the statues come into life it looks so good mm. uh they murder all the security guards in brutal ways eventually the gin corners the sisters and attempts to scare alex into making a third wish by trapping shannon in a burning painting camp that's camp it is so camp, camp. <laughs> and he says uh you're not going to wish? All right, fuck it. You know what I say. If you can't beat them, burn them, baby. Uh, Alex wishes that Torelli had not been drunk at work two days ago. 
which the jinn is forced to grant, but this undoes the events that follow the destruction of the statue and traps the jinn in the fire opal once again. Yes, um, Alex, you clever bitch. You know, um, I didn't kind. I didn't actually didn't see this coming. No, no. I don't know why because no. it makes sense. You're like, oh yeah, mm-hmm. of course. Yeah, this is the way. Um, yeah, I thought it was very clever. She, of course, beforehand did her uh, moment of stillness. She did before yep. figuring out how mm-hmm. to. Uh, yeah. to resolve the back. issue and yeah i mean i was pleased i, di- I didn't think it was a cop-out or anything I, I i could see maybe people being annoyed by the idea of watching a film and then the ending being oh none of it actually ever happened but it makes sense but it makes sense with the film it does um the now sober torelli lowers the crate with no problems and ted Raimi survives alex visits josh who's now alive again and uh, he notices that Alex seems pleased with herself, though she doesn't explain why. Uh, but she wants to go for a movie and dinner. That's disappointing. So knowing when he had died, she realised her true feelings yeah. for him. Mm-hmm. And then obviously now. Um, I'm, I don't know why she remembers everything. Surely, surely she wouldn't. If... Well, I don't know. I and mean, that's not really explained in the lore, is it? Yeah. I mean, I didn't watch Sliding Doors and Bill no. Pouch, so I don't know how these things work. Um, but I <laughs> I assumed that if everything was cancelled, then she wouldn't have a memory of it. Mm. And then she would still think that he's rightfully a grade A prick yeah. who doesn't deserve a date with him. But... Well, I suppose in a lot of these films where things that happen, they do remember. Yeah. Yeah. Um, inside the jewel on the statue of Ahura Mazda, now in Bowman's private collection, the djinn sits on a throne waiting to be released. And that's Wishmaster. That is Wishmaster. That is a good time. It is. Fun. It is. Gory. Some moments of camp. Yeah. But, you know, a perfect Saturday night popcorn horror film. It is. Yeah. No, absolutely. Um, a real fun premise used in such a great way and you know it should have been the start of many great films with that premise but yeah oh my god just yeah just rip just it off for it. fuck's sake yeah, just, just recycle the fucking thing but yes yeah we'll i give, really enjoyed it yeah we'll give this first well i give this first one eight failed attempts to take alex on the date out of ten uh i gave it eight moments of stillness out of ten and uh, masterpiece, trash speech, trash basic, or a camp old bunch of fun. It is a camp old bunch of fun. It is, yeah, camp old bunch of fun. It's a good time. Have that all. Yeah. Yeah. It's available on DVD, video on demand, and Blu ray. And if you enjoyed this, check out Nightmare on Elm Street parts three to six. I say it's available on Blu ray. Um, I don't think it is in the UK, but you can get an American import where it has all the films in it. I mean, can't say I recommend it for the rest of them, but worth it for this first one. Yeah, yeah. And I say, if you enjoyed this film, check out Leprechaun. Yes. And uh, if you enjoyed this film, I recommend checking out A Nightmare on Elm Street, parts three to six. Oh, yeah. No, I agree with that. Very, very similar energy, particularly with the Wishmaster himself. Speaking of A Nightmare on Elm Street, next up we have Wishmaster 2, Evil Never Dies from 1999. 
And before I get to the Nightmare on Elm Street connection, Evil Never Dies. What a stupid fucking title. This franchise has the worst subtitles um, in within the film titles. Like, oh my god, Evil Never Dies. Are you fucking serious? What a stupid name. Like, Do you want to hear something silly? What? I accidentally wrote down Evil Never Sleeps. Why did I oh, put Evil I mean, Never even Sleeps? That's better, you know. <laughs> Why did I put but Evil Never Sleeps? you'd go on to Beyond the Gates of Hell, the prophecy oh, fulfilled. God. It just sounds like generic sayings. Like, they're not... That's not subtitle. That's stupid. It is. It is. Um, Sorry, just to go a little off course. When I type Evil Never Sleeps into Letterboxd, do you know what film comes up? Um, Yeah, the one with Heather Graham. The one with Heather Graham. Jesus. That's why I... <laughs> I oh. wish we were watching that. Oh... It makes... Yeah, okay. Oh, I fucked that up, didn't I? <laughs> well, as for... Who the fuck cares? It's fucking Wishmaster 2. You're lucky I'm talking about the fucking thing. As for the connection to A Nightmare on Elm Street, this is written and directed by Jack Shoulder. Oh, yeah. The villain who directed The Hidden, A Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Freddy's Revenge, Renegades, Arachnid, 12 Days of Terror, The Tremors TV series, Beeper, and more. Look, The Hidden's pretty high on our watch list. Yeah. I dread to think how much homophobia is on it. This guy has issues. Oh, Karl McLaughlin wouldn't say the F slur. Karl McLaughlin's allowed to. Oh, okay. <laughs> he may say it in Showgirls, actually. No, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. He doesn't. Um, during his interview for the documentary Behind the Curtain Part 2, uh, writer-director Jack Shoulder had this to say about this film. That's one that I have very mixed feelings about because there are parts of it that I really like, but I think, all in all, it's a little dumb. To tell you the truth, I haven't seen it since I made it. When I was making it, I thought I, I thought it was good. I thought a lot of it was funny or clever. It's not. I definitely feel it has merit. It doesn't. From what I can gather, it's one of those films that divides people. It doesn't. I don't hate it. Some people don't like it. Others do. They don't. And you know, it was also a sequel to a movie that I thought wasn't a good movie at all. It was. It's a movie that I did and I don't regret doing. You should. You know there's a lot of stuff that I think is pretty good from it, doesn't it? You know, like the scene from the casino? Hmm. I thought it was pretty good. Maybe it comes off as being silly. You're a fucking arsehole, Jack Shoulder. Please, this is my invite. Come on this podcast and I will personally tell you what an arsehole you are. Like Mark Patton did on the documentary. I mean, this is the guy who ruined Mark Patton's career. Like, pretending he didn't know this film was gay. Yeah. You know? Um, Nightmare on Elm Street 2, of course. And then he goes on to direct this film where he just throws out the F-slur every now and then throws in a bunch of homophobic jokes. Get fucked, piece of shit. It's, yeah. And it's not even a sign of the times. Like, no. This is 1999. Come on. Yeah, okay. It's still a bit, you know, I, I mean, it's still a bit iffy in 2023 for fuck's sake. But really, you can't explain it away. Like, oh, everybody said it back then. You know? No. They didn't. No. This, People I, knew that it was an offensive word. Yeah. People have always known it's an offensive Let's not make this about the F-slur, but it's it's annoying. It's really annoying because, I mean, it's not even like you can say, oh, it's just because they're unlikable characters, you know, and they're trying to make it realistic like that. This film is not going for a slight bit of realism. No. The first act is straight up homophobic. It is really, really uncomfortably homophobic. There are, it's played for laughs. It's played yeah, for laughs. There are definitely moments that have, yeah. Gary's saying. It's made on a budget of $2.5 million and uh, it was originally slated for a theatrical release but instead was released straight to TV and then video. It first premiered on HBO television 
It later commonly aired on Sci-Fi Channel throughout the early 2000s in marathons along with the original and the other two sequels. The other two sequels have sci-fi written all over them. <laughs> this looks like, I'll give them that, it looks like a theatrically released film. Yeah. 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 Talk about who's in it. In a section we like to call, Hey, I Know You. Holly Fields uh, plays Morgana Truscott. <laughs> Morgana. Morgana. Uh, she was in Sex Tape, Voice of Black Cat in the Spider-Man 2 game, one of the greatest games ever made. The Sentinel, MacGyver, uh, Four Senses, Started from Scratch, The Still Life, and more. Girlfriend of Corey Haim. Oh, Rest in wow. peace. Uh, he made his appearance as a burglar in the uh, museum scene. Oh, yeah. And uh, it was a little joke for his girlfriend, Holly Fields. Oh, wow. Um, Holly Fields, I would say, probably most known for voicing Princess Fiona when Cameron Diaz can't be bothered. Yes, that's also true. Yeah. Yeah. Andrew Devoff is back as a gin and Nathaniel. Uh, and fun fact, he does not blink when uh, his eyes are visible in this film. Uh, not even, like, not once at all, like, even for, like, two to three minutes of him being on screen. Yeah, he has a, a look to him mm. in, in both these first films, which is actually perfect for this kind of role, and kind of perfect for villain roles, if yeah. I'm being honest, mm-hmm. in the sense that he is, to a certain extent, conventionally attractive, but there's this... A kind of sinister look, and he yeah. again, he's probably the nicest person off screen. But there's, I don't know if it's in the eyes or something, there's this kind of sinister essence mm. to him. And I know a lot of that will be acting because he is yeah. an actor and he's acting as someone sinister, but I just feel like his facial features give off that energy. Yeah, I think he really enjoyed playing this role as well. Yeah, you can really tell um, that he. Fully, fully lost himself in it, and he he, he really made some of this character, which is such a shame that he didn't come back for the others. And for all this film's faults, he's definitely missed in parts three and four. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Paul Johansson plays Gregory. He was in One Tree Hill, The Boondock Saints Two, All Saints Day, Atlas Shrugged Part One, John Q, Soap Dish, The Carnival of Souls remake, Laker Girls, and more. Yeah, he is in One Tree Hill. I yeah. think he was the dad mm-hmm. of Chad Michael Murray, I think, in, in One Tree Hill. Yeah, ages ago. And finally, Tom Tiny Lister Jr. plays Tilliver. And he was in The Fifth Element, Friday, The Dark Knight, Jackie Brown, Zootropolis, Barbed Wire, Austin Powers and Goldmember, The Human Centipede Free, Santa's Sleigh, and more. Yeah, he's got one of those... Faces, um, hasn't he? He has. Where it's like, where do I know him from? Mm-hmm. Also famously known as Zeus in um, professional wrestling. Okay. Um, in, in the movie No Holds Barred, but then he sort of had a few matches with Hulk Hogan. But yeah. There's like two actors in this film where I thought they looked like they should be professional wrestlers. Yeah, yeah. Well, this is... Um, Maybe guys the one who has a fight in the laundry room. Yeah, well, this this is set in uh, for the uh, a lot of it is set in a prison. Yeah, with big guys being yeah. mean to each other. Uh huh. What was the guy's name? 
I can't remember his name, but he's the one who has the fight, and he has the two bodyguards. Yeah, he does look. Um, he does look like he could have been a, um, a professional wrestler. Yeah. Yes. Uh so let's discuss our second feature presentation. All you have to do is say the word. I wish. For one wish, some will surrender their souls. I claim that which is old. How many souls does he have? And others. You want to spend eternity in his hell? Then help us. Help yourself. Will fight for their lives. Shall we dance? You want to explain this to me? He needed to chill out. My kingdom will reign on this earth. Prepare yourself for the next level of terror. Wishmaster 2, Evil Never Dies. It's over. During an attempted robbery of a museum, the fire opal that contains the gin is accidentally released by a stray gunshot. One of the burglars, a young woman named Morgana Truscott, steals the gem and is forced to abandon her boyfriend during the escape. And in a really great scene that gives you so much false hope for this film, the djinn escapes from the wall with some amazing gooey effects, mm. uh, kills the remaining burglar when he accidentally wishes he'd never been born. Yeah, so he, kill, he kills the boyfriend. So the, there was, confusingly, there were three burglars, weren't there? Yeah, one of them's Corey One Hain. of them, Corey Hain, never to be heard of again. Uh-huh. I have no idea. Yeah. And then the boyfriend and girlfriend, Morgana and her boyfriend, and he wishes that he'd never been born, so then he sort of reverted back to a child mm-hmm. um which again brings up the question afterwards of why is he being mourned yeah if he was never born mm-hmm. rather than killed he was just never born so yeah. anyway let's not go too deep into it my question is this scene yeah cool scene in terms of him coming out the wall but morgana is for all intents and purposes the only significant female part in this film. Of course. And yeah. therefore the final girl. Yep. Yep. She kills a man. Yeah. Now that's redeemed later on in a certain extent. And we'll talk about uh, that. Yeah. But for me, this opening scene, I'm, it's very jarring because it is. she's she's just murdered someone. Yeah. I'm like, who? And then for a lot of the film, we're meant to care about her. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, no, you've just... You know, you've you've just killed a man yeah. at his job. His family are going to struggle for the yeah. rest of their lives because of some because you wanted to steal some paintings. Why am I on your side? I'm not on your side. Fuck off. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then once she's redeemed, I mean, I kind of wish she wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> where it goes. Yeah. As the police enter the museum, uh, the gin finishes forming into its full size. Whereupon it assumes it's Nathaniel Demarest persona and surrenders to the police after making one of the cops literally freeze. Uh, one of the cops says, want to explain this to me? And he's like, you need it to chill out. What's funny about this is the fact that whenever the djinn changes into someone um, in these films, he has to cut off their face and wear it. And mm-hmm. it gives him the whole persona, like in Mission Impossible, when he put a mask on. Oh yeah, changes um, the rest of his body. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's fine in this. It's a fantasy film. Um, problem is, that was last film. 
That was the last film when he was Nathaniel Demarest. Mm-hmm. So, why, why is he this why, character again this face come when from? he can't appear as this character again in three and four? Because he yeah. hasn't cut off his uh, same face again. Yeah, because you know, it's... the whole, everything in the first film was reverted back, wasn't mm. it? So he would never have, you know, taken that face. No. So I do, yeah, the question is, why does he have this face yeah. and this name if everything in the original was reverted mm-hmm. back? Yeah. So he never had the chance to steal the face. The gene is questioned at a police station by a cop who questions if he was covering up for a girlfriend or a boyfriend. And he says, you've got a boyfriend, haven't you, you sly little F-slur, you? Bunch of sticks, slur. Yes. And it's so jarring. But then, like, immediately after, he's put in a holding cell where he's with another homophobic prisoner. And it's like, oh my God. Really? Yeah. yeah. I just don't understand the purpose. It's... It doesn't need to be there. It's not necessary. It's really not. Because we're not on anyone's side. Mm. So why are we watching this? Whose side are we on? I don't care about any of these characters. You know, the Wishmaster is our villain. Mm. But he's the one getting the F slurs and getting bullied in prison. It's like, okay, am I on his side? And there was a huge criticism towards Freddy Krueger towards the end. Yeah. Is that you're on his side, which negates the the horror. Yeah. You know, it's not a horror film anymore if you're not scared of anything. But the difference is with Nightmare on Elm Street films, they at least are thrilling enough to keep it entertaining. I you mean, know, of course. this is just yeah. dire. But this is only the second film in the franchise. You know, mm. why Why is this happening? Yeah. yeah. You know, why, why are we like, oh, the Wishmaster, who we saw in the first film, murdering lots of innocent people... Mm. Why am I now feeling sorry for him? Because he's getting fucking... And he's not a homosexual by any account. I mean, probably not sexual at all. He's some weird fantasy character. Until <laughs> so we get to you the know. fourth one. Yeah. Um, well, third one, actually. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah, oh, no, it's confusing. Whatever. Yeah. Whatever it is, you know, either he has a sexuality or not, um, he's getting this homophobic abuse. It's yeah. like, okay. I feel bad for him. It, am I meant to? Well, he kills the homophobic prisoner because uh, he wishes to get out of the cell, so he literally forces him through the bars in a very gory way. Such a cool kill. Yeah. I have to say, with both of these first two films, a lot of the kills are really fucking cool. Yeah. They, they are. And this, this one in particular is gooey and gruesome. Mm. And, yeah. and uh, yeah, I really appreciate them. Because I'm a weirdo. <laughs> Meanwhile, Morgana has been having sweaty dreams in her underwear whilst, <laughs> where she sees glimpses of the gin in his true form. She spends half the film in her underwear. She looks I like to... an angsty 90s female singer in a music video. Yes. She's giving uh, Alicia Witt's roommate... Well, Danielle Harris, should I say. I know her name. Danielle uh-huh. Harris in Urban Legend. Yeah, that late nineties, uh-huh. but a little and a little bit of um, this is for my wrestling fans, Lita, <laughs> in her attire as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, lots of crop tops and exposed thongs. It's for now, anyway. For now, but for the majority of the film, she is wearing a lacy mm-hmm. top to bed and some knickers and having sweaty nightmares, and that's kind of all she does. Yeah. 
later, um, Morgana goes to church to visit the priest attending the church, a man named Gregory. Yes. Now, are you sure he played Chad Michael Murray's dad? I feel like he did. That's so weird. He looks like he's the same age as him in this film, anyway. Well, how many years later would it have been? Like seven? Six or seven. I don't don't remember too much of One Tree Hill. Maybe the thing was he had the kids young or or what. He may not have. I may have actually just made that up. Well, in this film, he's a former lover of Morgana's and we're treated to a very boring conversation. One of many. From this point on, these films have the most boring straight people you've ever seen in cinematic history. And talk. oh my god! Like, I I literally I just switched off, and I'm I'm sorry because we were meant to watch these films for the podcast, and we're meant to make this entertaining, but I switched the fuck off. I really mm. did. At one point, Gregory actually says, and I got this down because it was how I was feeling. Is it, is there a point to this? <laughs> he literally says to, it, "Is there a point to this?" And I thought I'm asking the same fucking yeah. question. Is there a point to this? What a yawn fest. Yeah. Oh my God, it went on for so long. I have no idea what they were talking about. And clearly it, it had no bearings on any of the, the film, the mm. consequent, you know, afterwards. No. Meanwhile, in prison, after granting another homophobic inmate called Robert, who calls him the F-slur, uh, and then give, gives another wish, uh, who he wishes that his lawyer would go fuck himself. Demarest is confronted by Butts, uh, played by Rhino Michaels. That's the guy I was talking about. Mm. And with a name like that as well. Yes. And his two henchmen, the Tiger Brothers, James Kim and Simon Kim, plays them. And when we first introduced to them, they're doing martial arts on each other. They are. It was a little camp, actually. It was. It was. Camp. I was like, oh, this is giving Jean-Claude Van Damme film. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I swear there is a film where Jean-Claude Van Damme's in prison. Quite close to this. <laughs> um, the gin is called a Tinkerbell looking motherfucker, and I'm just kind of like, what? Yeah. Like, I mean, what's you know, he's just a normal looking guy as well. You know, there's not really any excuse for him to get this homophobic abuse. Yeah, this whole Tinkerbell. He just thing. looks like a standard fucking straight white man. It's yeah, it's stupid. Really bad writing. Um, it, it gives nothing to the film because this is our bad guy. Yeah. Well, we're we gonna sit there and say, yeah, he does look like Tinkerbell. Yeah, yeah. You tell him, you prisoner in film who's meant to be the bad guy. Mm-hmm. This is meant to be the good yeah. guy. Like, okay. Well, Butts runs all underground business at the prison and gives Demaris a friendly warning that he's gonna be watching him. Robert's lawyer. Uh, in the only scene I remembered from when I first watched this, tells him he can go free before he literally gets fucked by thin air. Well, no, I, yeah, okay, not quite. I'll try and explain this to you. I'm, I'm not. Uh, I don't think it's. I'm not all a the way third, he, That's the is idea. That the idea. That's so stupid. The idea is that he his body twists because you see his legs come up behind him, but in like a distorted way so the idea is that it's stretched round and he has fucked himself to death Makes sense. seemingly to death i yeah. don't know 
Mm-hmm. Um, this would have maybe garnered a slight chuckle if it hadn't have been for all the homophobia beforehand. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. You know, and then I'm just like, oh, okay. Um, right. It just feels like someone's the butt of the joke. No pun yeah. intended. Like, I made an even better joke. Mm-hmm. Just off the cuff. Um, but the idea is that this guy was too busy going fucking himself to re- sign the release papers for the prisoner. Mm-hmm. The prisoner's stuck anyway. Okay? That's what it... Yeah. But then word gets around that the Wishmaster can grant people wishes. Was it when he, he, yeah, he kind of did, but he didn't get him out of prison. No. And it wasn't a good thing. No. <laughs> it's actually a bad thing. Yeah. <sighs> anyway, anyway, anyway. Meanwhile, Morgana continues to have her sweaty underwear nightmares before she does research on Persian mythology, uh, particularly the Persian deity Ahura Mazda, who bound the jinn. And much like in the first film, when Alex did her research, she has to read it to herself out loud. From the ugliest looking website. Yeah. Like, really, just horrendous. Even in 1999, the websites would have looked better than that. You'd think so. Yeah. Gregory arrives at her loft to check in and for another boring conversation. Morgana opens up just a little, telling Gregory that she hasn't been sleeping well and has nightmares about a voice telling her to fulfil the prophecy and confesses to the robbery and the murder of the guard. She should watch this fucking film. I'll help her sleep at night. (laughs) Morgana goes to the prison to visit Demarest. Uh, She demands to know why he confessed to the robbery. And he says it was so she wouldn't have to and admits to not having to be in prison for long um, before showing his true form, driving Morgana away. Yeah. Butts meets with the djinn again and uh, wants to join forces with him, but he rejects the offer. And uh, he says to him, uh, Butts says to him, if you offer me one more fucking thing, I'll stick my fist so down, so far down your throat, you'll be shitting knuckles for weeks. Yeah, I mean that's how people talk. The height of the dialogue. The, the the amount of times someone said that to me. Yeah. You know, it's like really realistic. Brought back memories. Believing Demarest to be a dealer, he asked for drugs and uh, any drugs on which he can get wasted and stomped into the ground. So he grants the wish, and but is savagely beaten by his own underlings. Yeah, they don't really understand why they're doing it, but they start beating him up. I mean, again, I assume that he's killed. I don't... Yeah. You know, it kind of in the end, he's scolded by the um, prison officer. Mm-hmm. So, oh, you couldn't look after yourself more than that. But yeah. Similarly, these people have to die in order for the Wishmaster to get the souls. Yeah. But it's not clear if, I mean, did he fuck himself to death? Mm-hmm. Maybe, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Did, did you know, he got a few kicks and punches and he ended up on the big ironing board thing. Mm-hmm. But did he die? I don't think so. Did he get his soul? Who knows? Who cares? Who fucking cares? Well, soon the gin is temporarily sent to solitary... Uh, so- Solid, solitary. Solitary. Suspected of instigating a spa- uh, spat of recent troubles. Okay. This was unintentionally funny, I have to say. <laughs> when Tillover says, uh, how does a week in the hole sound? And Jin says, 
A week? Is that the best you got? I was once in a hole for 3,000 years. <laughs> this should be a breeze. Very mature. As Morgana continues to do research, she learns more on the legend of the djinn and the threat he poses. Morgana goes to see Gregory the next day to tell him about her findings. Gregory goes to the prison with her and confronts the djinn, demanding he leaves Morgana alone. Uh, the djinn turns the tables on Gregory by duplicating Morgana's voice, speaking seductively to him. Yeah. Yeah. Does. Yeah. Later that evening, Morgana has a bit of a jump scare when the djinn jumps up at a shower door. Um, yeah, just out of nowhere, she just jumps up at the shower door. I don't know. It's just, yeah, a shit jump scare. Um, it's not even any real nudity to it. No. And I just, I just think, you know, if you wanted nudity in the film, you could have hired more women to be in the film. Mm-hmm. And yeah, okay, it would have been forced, but it would have been a payday for a young woman or, yeah. you know, who felt comfortable doing it and mm-hmm. wanted to do it. And then, you know, you can get your kicks or, or, or whatever, you know, get your nudity into the film for your audience and such. But this sort of half-assed, sweaty underwear, shower but not really scenes it's just like you're wasting my time this is yeah. really boring it's genuinely just so boring well show some young actresses who, who are okay with doing this you know mm. and of course if, if you've listened to our podcast before we're always you know we don't sex shame we don't shame any actress for, for doing the nudity you know if that's what they're mm-hmm. comfortable with and that's what they want to do yeah you know, show them the money. Give them the money. Get yeah. them paid. You know? Well, we certainly won't be seeing any more nudity from uh, Morgana because in the bizarre series of, event- of events, she begins undergoing a number of rituals aimed at purifying her soul as only someone pure of heart can banish the gym back into his prison. These rituals involve converting to Christianity. Yes. And dressing like... Um... Ali Sheedy at the end of Breakfast Club. <laughs> yeah. Dress, cardigan, hair's done up. Yeah, she washed her hair out. finally. She washed her hair. Uh, Such a good wet girl. Pierce. Her thongs aren't on show anymore. Mm-hmm. She, she's a bad girl gone good. Yeah. And that just left an even bigger sour note. Yes. It's sad taste in my mouth. I mean, when you think of it in the way that this is Jack's shoulder, his history of Nightmare on Street 2, he spent half of the film being homophobic and then the other half preaching Christianity. It's like, come on, get the fuck out of here. Yeah, it does feel it's like... A so preachy. Pattern. Yeah. In, well, we've only watched two of his films. Yeah. This is, is really, but really preachy, it's, though. Like, yeah. it's not subtle at all. Mm-hmm. Back at the prison, the djinn kills the prison warden and escapes a Russian inmate he befriended named Osip. Osip brings him to uh, Pushkin, a Russian-American mob boss whom Osip despises, and tells him that the djinn is a wishmaster who can give Pushkin anything he wants. Pushkin uh, brushes them off, but as he's leaving, the djinn asks if Pushkin has any enemies he would like to see eliminated. An arrival crime boss named Mustafa is brought up. The mere mention of Mustafa's name sends Pushkin into a rage. 
Carelessly, fueled by his anger, Pushkin wishes to have Mustafa's head and unexpectedly gaining his appearance, thus rendering Pushkin non-existent, and Osip takes over as the ruler of the criminal empire. Yeah, well, his wish is, I want his head. And he literally... Again, is unintentionally funny. Again, gets his head. Yeah. There you go. Um, yeah, this entire section is fucking boring. Boring, I'm so sorry. So boring. Yeah, no one asks for a little mob boss no side cares. story. It's fucking boring. You know, Morgana's your, your main girl. You know, yeah. Give her some time, for fuck's sake. Yeah, why are you trying to make this us up happen? Why is why is he becoming a main character all of a sudden? And if you're trying to do this thing where I'm meant to believe that she is pure and she is our main girl, our final girl, you know, then you're going to have to dedicate some more time yeah. to her. Yeah. Because I'm still in the camp of, no, you killed someone, bitch. Yeah. Rot. Rot. Well... She uh, tries to kill someone else when she comes randomly rushing into the club, shooting uh, the djinn. But she and Osip freeze in horror as this only causes the djinn to assume its true form and mocks her for her foolishness. This is so silly. She's just randomly... How does she even know he was there? Exactly. She just storms in and starts shooting at him. Yeah. He talks some shit about calling upon her when necessary to make three wishes after he's collected 800 more souls. Uh, to which I've put in my notes, 800, what the fuck? Please let this end. <laughs> 800. So he needs a thousand souls. Yeah. There was nothing in the first film talked about a thousand no. souls. No. You're just obviously making the film longer. That's why he went to prison to get a thousand souls, mm-hmm. but seemingly only got 200. But then 200 people didn't die in the no, prison. No, So I'm not, I'm no. really confused by that. Yeah. Yeah. Gregory finds Morgana praying feverishly at the church altar and sobbing inconsolably. She confesses to Gregory that she tried to kill the djinn and then saw his true face. She laments that her guilt, the blood of the innocent man she killed at the art gallery heist, can never be washed away. And so she can never hope to fight the djinn and find God. Gregory patiently consoles her and tells her that God is on their side. <laughs> it's a fucking Bible bashing film. <laughs> a lot of bullshit. Oh my god. Literally. I mean, fucking hell. Ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. There was nothing about religion in the first film. There was nothing. literally in the opening, the uh, narration, it had one mention of an angel. Yeah. That was it. Yeah. Nothing else. But this is it now. This is the franchise from this, this point is it. onwards. It is religion constantly. Yeah. Well, Christianity. Yeah. It's not even. No, it's, yeah, it's, not religion, religion. it's Christianity. Christianity. Yeah. yeah. Christianity saves the day. Uh huh. It turns out Morgana is invulnerable when she attempts suicide, so the djinn cannot grant her the three necessary wishes. Gregory has compiled more notes, including the incantation used by the alchemist who imprisoned the djinn. Morgana has doubts in their plan, but as Gregory says, it is the only one they have. Despite his initial um, it, his, his initial uh, resistance, Morgana and Gregory end up having sex. I'm bored. I'm bored. Well, it's a good thing we're going to Vegas, where the djinn begins granting wishes to the casino patrons in order to collect the remaining required souls. Why did they have sex? Why did they have to have sex? 
He's a priest. I mean, should he have He's even a been doing that? She's a bad girl gone good. Like, it's completely unnecessary. Yeah. As Morgana and Gregory ride a cab through Las Vegas to the casino, uh, the gin is op- that the gin is operating out of. The gin stands in his office uh, in his true form, where he claims the souls everyone gave up through their wishes. Noting that the gin has left a fire pull on his desk, Gregory quietly inches towards it, whilst the gin is speaking to Morgana. The gin catches him. And Gregory wishes for the djinn to be sent back to hell. The djinn grants his wish um, and uh, brings them along with him. Yes. They're transported inside the fire opal where Gregory is crucified and killed after Morgana wishes for him to be released. Fuck's sake. Fucking crucified. I mean, literally. No, he literally. He's dressed as Jesus. Jesus Christ. Like, literally. <laughs> Fucking hell. What are we getting this shit for? I, I don't get it. I do not get this direction whatsoever. And I don't know why they continued it in 3 and 4. It's fucking bullshit. <sighs> like, I mean, you know, when you got a film like The Exorcist, and we discussed this on our episode, you know, that's very much Christianity conquering evil. Yeah. But, or Catholicism. Is it, what would you class it as? The Exorcist. Catholicism. Catholicism, it is yeah. Catholicism. Yeah, it's defeating evil. Yeah. But... It's a film called The Exorcist. Of course it is. It's yeah, it, you yeah, know, yeah, it makes yeah. sense. It yeah. makes sense. That's the whole idea. Um, and you know, there's some things you could question in there about it. And there's a lot more layers to it. Yeah, I don't know why I'm comparing it to a 1999 straight to video fucking sequel to Wishmaster. But um, my point is, Wishmaster never even come close to needing this. No, there's never anything there that that warranted religion within Wishmaster. Well, I'm assuming Jin isn't mentioned in the Bible. I'm not making this up. You know, is is Jin mentioned in the Bible? I can't say I've ever read it, to be honest. I've only heard bad things. So, no, Jin's are not in the Bible. Jin's are part of uh, Islamic and Arabian mythology. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so it's got... Yeah, no, of course, because that's what, that's what you see... Um, at the beginning of the original film, of yeah. course. Yeah. So it's part of that mythology. It's mm-hmm. not a pow- about. It's not a part of Christianity and no. Catholicism. No. <sighs> anyway. Well, Morgana angrily wishes for a world without evil. <laughs> and Jin says, "Without evil, good cannot exist." He warns her that he's losing his patience with it. We all are. Yeah. We all are at this point. Morgana tries. Desperately to resist the djinn's will, Morgana fe- Morgana's fears suddenly quiet and she asks the djinn the meaning of fulfilling the prophecy. The djinn impatiently recites the prophecy to her that the one who wakes the djinn shall have three wishes upon the granting of all three. The race of djinn will reign over the earth. When we go back to the casino, a bunch of people are being murdered in brutal ways. Some are killed with playing cards. An older lady in a bizarre series of events shits out some coins. She does. She's playing craps, and he says, you crapped out, and she shits out a load of coins. Yeah. Which is, I, I understand what they're going for. So this is a repeat of the first film where you have the party going to shit. Really cool. Uh-huh. Really cool part of the first film. This is probably the highlight of this film, which isn't saying much. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, the Vegas 
the um, roulette wheel mm -hmm. goes wild yeah. and has razor blades on it. Um, the cards are flying. People are killed via playing cards flying around. You know, I, I think it's, it's a pretty cool scene. Mm. Um, but the idea is that what are these people's wishes? Yeah. The idea no of the Wishmaster yeah. is that it takes a wish and changes it around, ending in people's mm. deaths. So it's based on puns or something, yeah. you know? Yeah. And irony and, and shit like that. But with this, people aren't expressing their wishes. Jack Shoulder so, destroying the lore of a franchise. Yeah. Wow, that's what's that about? So is that all gone out the window? Because well, yeah. Because like, oh, I wish this roulette wheel would come to life. Or yeah. I don't get it. I wish I could shit coins. Like. Yeah, like, it, it's fun and it's silly. And I haven't seen the film, but I'm. it's probably similar to that book. Leprechaun 3. The one in Vegas. Vegas. Yeah, I think so. You know, it's given me that sort of energy. I don't... Was it around the same time? Maybe. Yeah, Maybe. but... Yeah. I feel like we need to watch the Leprechaun films. I feel like we do. I feel like it'd be it more can't be than worse this. than this. Yeah. It can't be worse than this. Due to a slip of the tongue, Morgana realises the meaning of the prophecy and wishes for the guard she killed to be alive again. She has a black and white vision of him going home to his family and she says, That's good. Black and white CCTV. <laughs> but where is it? Like on his front door, but like really close. Why is it black and white? Uh, yeah. Grainy. What is the reason? With no idea. Just show me the fucking scene for fuck's sake. Why? Why is she having a vision? This the only time she's ever had a vision in grainy CCTV, black and white. Yeah. This fucking crime watch. <laughs> this happy. You know, family being reunited. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's virtually the same as the original yeah. film. So, you know, what she's wished for is for the original thing to, to not have happened. Yeah. And therefore, none of the film had occurred. Mm -hmm. Which makes sense. Yeah. To a certain degree. Well, no. Well, no, not really. I mean, when it? you think about it, yeah. her killing that cop, really, that didn't awaken the jit. No, no. Okay, so the straight gunshot did not the one that actually hit someone. No. Okay, I think I figured it out. <laughs> Congratulations. So she is a bad girl gone good. Yeah, but she wasn't fully there as no, a good girl. She, she was not. So what she's done, and despite everything that she did, wearing cardigans <laughs> and confessing, and for some reason cutting off part of a finger. <laughs> she's never explained why she cuts off part of her finger. But all that she's done, she's still not completely um, a good girl. No. Because there's always that guy that she murdered. So she wishes for the guy that she murdered to have never been murdered, making her 100% angel. But then also she was robbing the place. She was still robbing she the clearly place. clearly had a criminal history. Yeah, but that's forgivable. If you go to confession, you get, you know, exonerated from everything. We all know that, Gabby. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to do it on my deathbed. I'm going to do it. You know? It doesn't matter what I've done up until that point. Just, just for clarity, I haven't done anything illegal <laughs> ever in my life. Um, but, you know, that's that's faith, isn't it? It's yeah. religion. It's yeah, Catholicism, it's isn't it? Yeah. You know, she she's exonerated and therefore she's the, uh, you know, good girl. 
that can uh, save the day. And she does. So it's not she even does. like the original. Yeah. Oh, that's fucking dumb. That's Her stupid. pureness of heart is restored. So she takes the gin's fire opal yeah. and intones the alchemist chant. Nib, sugar off, bahim. The gin is again banished. All the victims are returned to life. And we just wasted 96 minutes of our time watching this shitty film, Wishmaster 2, Evil Never Dies, even though technically it gets banished at the end. She hugs the priest. <laughs> and then I'm confused as to what happened to her boyfriend. If everyone's returned to life... Yeah. Again, so if everyone's returned to life, that means nothing that happened in the film really happened. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because people in the prison are returned, aren't they? Yes. Which, with this one... With this film, that is infuriating. It doesn't make any sense. I wish none of it had happened. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. okay. I still had to sit through it. So, like, did her boyfriend just reappear at the museum? But now she's with the priest? Mm. Awkward. Yeah, I mean, that's that's an awkward conversation for Morgana in the future. Thankfully, it's... the film fucking finishes, yeah. and we don't have to witness it. A lot of shit. I mean, for me, even the fun casino sequence just didn't save it for me. It just There was nothing redeemable in this. It's just... Bullshit. Because when you look at the good scenes in comparison to the bad scenes, the ratio between them, it's extremely uneven. Because um, there's like two good scenes and the rest is just abysmal. And not just abysmal, but like offensive abysmal as well. And also preachy. And it's just like the worst type of film. I, yeah, no, I completely agree. I, I did enjoy the casino moment and I did enjoy the special effects. I liked that the original actor was back from the first film, um, but everything around that was really bottom of the barrel yeah. bullshit. Yeah. Boring. Really boring. I know I've said it so many times on the podcast, maybe I've become boring myself, <laughs> but I can forgive a lot in a film, mm-hmm. but I can't forgive the ending. No. It's definitely not funny. You're just talking shit. Yeah. Ratings, I give it one sweaty underwear dream out of ten. I give it two weeks in the hole out of ten. Masterpiece, trash to be trash, basic or a camp or a bunch of fun. It is trash. It's trash. It's available on DVD and video on demand. And if you enjoyed this, I recommend checking out How Razor 3, Hell on Earth. I completely agree. Check out How Razor 3, Hell on Earth. Solely because the playing card scene reminded me of the scene. There's an alternative girl in a main role, and the CDC is similar. Yeah. Uh, and it's a better film. It's a much better film. And it's not even that great. No, no. Hellraiser 3 ain't even that great, but no. it's much better than Wishmaster 2. Next up, because yes, there's more. People really thought this, this franchise needed more films. Wishmaster 3, Beyond the Gates of Hell, from 2001, but confusingly released in 2003 in the UK, which was after Part 4 was released. Not that it fucking matters. It really but, matter. but yeah. I remember yeah. these are the ones I didn't watch, because I, I always thought they looked really bad. Yeah, I don't think anyone was getting good reviews. No. Directed by Chris Angel. <laughs> Not the Do you think he changed his name to Angel? I'm not sure, maybe. Um, but Chris Angel was a early two thousands uh, magician, wasn't he? Maybe like a really good, like a cool goth. Okay. Magician. 
Yeah. Yeah. But it's not him. I thought it was when I first heard Chris Angel, but it's not. Yeah, he's the director of This Is Not A Test, The Fear, Resurrection, A Twisted Faith, and Wishmaster 4. So this is filmed back to back with Wishmaster 4, The Prophecy Fulfilled. In Canada. Yeah. There was a weekend break between the two films being filmed. With none of the same cast. None of the same cast, apart from Jim. Oh, okay. Yeah. Wait, is is he even the same? Is he even the same cast? I assume so. Yes, he is. He is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But everyone else, everyone complete else changeover. Completely Written by Alex Wright, who did Game Set Love, Mercy, Nantucket, Noel, San Dollar Cove, A Family Christmas Gift, Christmas in Rome, Seance the Summoning, Paris Wine, and Romance... Paris Wine and Romance, Love on the Menu, and more. So they decided to make these two completely unrelated films back-to-back. They did. <sighs> Made on a budget of $1.5 million, and uh, it was, of course, straight to video. Yeah. I'm confused. <laughs> Why would they decide to make these two films back like sequel? It's a yeah. sequel. Okay, no, I'm not even going to. It's going to give myself a headache. Yeah. Stop. <laughs> so I'm trying to make sense of this shite. Yeah. Shall we talk about who's in it? Yes, in the section we like to call "Hey, I know you." Do we know Jason Connery? We do. Yes. As Sean's uh... son. Yeah, Nepo Baby as Professor Joel Barish. Although you kind of question if it classes as Nepo Baby when you ended up in Wishmaster Three. It, it's true. I, I don't. I don't think he was in any big film. Was he ever in a film of his father? I don't think so. No, I don't think any of the films you're about to list off featured his father. So well, unless Sean Connery is in Tommy's Honor, The Philly Kid, Shanghai Noon, Alien Strain. The Search for Santa Paws, An Accidental Christmas, Alone in the Dark 2, or any others. I don't know. No. No, I don't think he was. I mean, I wish Sean Connery was in The Search for Santa Paws, but, you know. (laughs) Uh, John Novak plays the Jin. Okay. Oh, actually, can we talk about how Jason Connery looks like a member of NSYNC? For his entire thing. And a much older member of NSYNC. Like they're called that that just came along for one gig. I'm not sure how old he's meant to be because everyone's like, oh, you're such older. You're so much older, Professor. And he does look a fair, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it's hard to tell. John Novak uh, plays the Jin. He was in Legend of the Fall, uh, War, Seventh Son, Stargate SG1, Home Sweet Home Alone. Oh, well, okay. Romance Retreat, Barbie the Pearl Princess, yes. Yeah. Dr. Doolittle 3, and more. Uh, Andrew Devoff was set to reprise his role as the Jin, mm. uh, but uh, he, he even had a script written for it entitled Wishmaster the Third Millennium uh, mm. that would have revolved around the panic surrounding Y2K at the time. Devoff's script would have opened with an American warship getting struck by a missile in Asia, while a meeting at the UN is interrupted by creatures coming to life and tearing apart the crowd. According to an interview with Devoth, uh, a lot of thought was put into his script, but when he presented it to the producers, they turned it down, feeling it was too ambitious and expensive 
to make, so they went with Alex Wright's script instead. Dioff read it and hated it and left. Yeah. Good on him. <laughs> yeah, he made it. He made a good decision. I'm not sure how good his other script was, but hey, sounds sounds interesting. Nothing worse than this. AJ Cook uh, plays Diana Collins, of course, star of The Virgin Suicides, Criminal Minds, Final Destination Two, Out Cold, Mother's Day Remake, Ripper, Goosebumps, Night Skies, Misconceptions, and more. Yeah. Um. Who was she? The very youngest one in the Virgin Suicide. I assume she would have been. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Bless her. Yeah. Chris started so promising. It did. Such a shame. We're gonna have to do this Ripper one day. It looks really looks like the sort of thing that would make for a good episode. You say that. Yeah. It's almost two hours long. I'm fucking out. A throwaway. Early 2000s slasher That's film. Post Scream. Two hours is ridiculous. Yeah, 114 oh, minutes it is. It's what's put me off watching the fucking thing. Wow. And uh, finally, Tobias Meller is Greg Jansen. Uh, and oh, in the bizarre series of events, got to mention it now, he also plays St. Michael the Archangel. I'm not shitting you. Yeah, he does, yeah. He was in Disturbing Behaviour, Young Blades, Carrie 2002. Battle in Seattle, All She Wants for Christmas, Santa Baby, and more. Yeah, he was also Harvey in the TV movie version of Sabrina the Teenage Witch before uh, Nate Richard took over for the TV series. Again, such a promising start. I mean... <laughs> I d- it's been a while since I watched the TV movie. Ryan Reynolds is also in that. Is that another potential podcast? Um, I don't remember it being bad. Hey, we didn't just talk about bad films. We got Wishmaster Free coming up next. Yeah, but I mean, I don't, I don't remember it being um noteworthy. Okay. Yeah, in in either sense, good or bad, just sort of there it is. And comparing it to obviously comparing it to the TV series, maybe not though. Much better. I mean, we could talk about TV series if you want. No problem with that. We had the Halloween specials. Yeah. Uh, Let's get to our third Fridge presentation. We're nearly there. We're nearly at the end. No, we're not. I'm halfway fucking through. Well, once this is over, we'll nearly be at the end. Our third feature presentation. You should be careful. Boys who don't get the attention they need tend to look elsewhere for. When you're this good, they never wander. Their search for knowledge is leading them to a secret. Dead for centuries. What is it? It's like an evil Aladdin's lamp. He's being possessed by some kind of a demon called a jinn. Oh man, I do not believe this. If the jinn grants three of my wishes, he has the power to open the gates of hell. That's bad, right? Make your wish. No. Anne's already made her wish. She wants to lose a little weight. The only thing greater than his power. Three wishes. Otherwise, the souls closest to her will perish. He's gonna find me. Is the evil behind it? You strike me as a man who could break a girl's heart. Do you wish me to break your heart, young lady? Oh, yes, please. Only you can save her. Make your wish. Never!
Wishmaster 3, Beyond the Gates of Hell. For the third time, the evil Wishmaster returns to wreck the lives of more innocents. This time, his victim is a beautiful, innocent, and studious teenage girl named Diana Collins, who we are introduced to as she dreams of her dad being in a big-budget Hollywood car crash, which eventually results in an explosion that kills him and his wife. She's like, Daddy! And climbs out of her window and goes to the roof as erotic thriller music plays. So, great start. Yeah, it's all right. <laughs> You're like, right. okay, there's the budget gone. It's the budget, already. budget's completely disappeared. Now. Um, we want erotic thriller music. This could be fucking. This could be entertaining. Mm. Yeah, true. It's more entertaining than Wishmaster Two, but not that entertaining. She's joined on the roof by her boyfriend, Greg Jansen, who comforts her. In a very early two thousands teen love story scene. Yeah, well, it's it's they're in college, aren't they? Uh-huh. So I don't. This colleges are very different in America yeah. compared to here. Um, but it's obviously very old fashioned, and you can get up on the roof and look at the stars and all that shit. The next day, she walks to class with her friend Katie and her boyfriend Billy, and finds Greg talking with two girls, one of which is Anne, and she tells her to watch out in case Greg gets bored of her. To which, uh, to which Diana says, "Oh, I'm not too worried." When you're this good, they never wonder. And like, yes, bitch. Got a girl boss on her hands. Fucking go and show that Wishmaster who's boss. Uh, Again, it, it was a promising all start. All this false hope. A bit like AJ Cook's career. It was a promising start. <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm sorry, Virgin Suicides to Wishmaster Three. I, I do. I, I apologize, but what in a two year span? I mean, that's a real shame. Uh, Diana goes to oh yeah also we, we're speaking of a two year span um, whereas in the second film we had Andrew Divoff giving a really good performance there's not a single good performance in this film. even AJ Cook like everyone's rough in this and the next one performances that are good they're out the window do you I agree? Completely, I completely agree yeah. yes so, of course I completely and it looks agree. like shit it absolutely looks like shit it looks like it's straight to video the last one, much as we hated it, it looked like a theatrically released film. This is straight to video. Diana goes to the museum to walk around looking bored, checking her watch whilst biting her lip. It's the early 2000s. And to meet Professor Barrush when she accidentally opens up the Jin's tomb, a strange box with a jewel inside, and releases him. I've seen that before. That sounds way more exciting than it actually is. <laughs> Um, what she does is go there to meet him at was it five or five thirty? Yeah. And she's like, "Well, I've got to be. I've got to. I'll be back by eight. I'll be back by eight. I've got to go." And he doesn't turn up for hours, and we see her just pacing waiting around, around for ages, waiting around for ages. But it's never mentioned that she's been waiting around for ages. No, he just appears. She shows him the the opal or whatever the fuck it is, and um. She's like, yeah, I've got to go now, bye. <laughs> he tries it on a little bit, doesn't he? And she pisses off. Uh-huh. And um, what annoys me the most is it's this running... Sometimes it's treated as a joke, sometimes not. But this running commentary about the professor sleeping with his students mm. or wanting to sleep with his students mm-hmm. or having slept with his students or in, in one scene sexually assaulting his students. Yeah. And it's... 
I don't know if it's played for laughs. I don't know if it's, you know, meant to be taken seriously. But it's, it's insane. It so is. Why are you randomly throwing this into what is a meant to be, I mean, a teen slasher film? Yeah. I think if, if any of the films are post-Scream, it's this mm-hmm. one. Yeah. So why are you throwing this shit in there? Yeah. I mean, if this film was supposed to be taken seriously, mm. then why the fuck have they got the Archangel Michael show not with a Minecraft sword later on? Yeah. Like, seriously? After getting his freedom, the djinn glides out of some smoke. It's so camp. And is asked by Professor Barish to let him be the one who makes the wishes. At first, Professor Barish is like, Jesus Christ, and uh, the djinn's like, not even close. And he talks like that in this film. Yeah. And it's like, okay, that is dangerously close to being a direct line of dialogue from Hellraiser 3. Like, I mean, it literally, it's Jesus Christ, not quite, in Hellraiser 3. Yeah. Come on, guys. Um, And, uh, yeah, he, he starts reading the professor. He's like, come now, professor. You reek of loneliness from your every pore. Um, he then imitate in a really weird series of events, he imitates the voice of two women and the professor do an impression of him raping them. Uh yes. Yeah. Um I've no idea why. Yeah. And the professor's like, no, that's not how it happened. But mm. I don't I really I don't get it. No. I d I don't I don't. It it's really bad writing. Really poor excuse for whatever it is, a joke or I don't know. I, I really don't. I don't yeah. it's confusing. No, it's, yeah. Uh the professor the professor wishes for two of the world's loveliest ladies to be in love with him. And it's camp. It's it is so camp. camp. This is this is a bit camp. This is a little camp. Two women, they just come out of nowhere. Uh one of them is proper going for it. She really thought she was getting her Oscar for this blesser. Uh, and they start, you know, start kissing him. They take their, uh, they take the tops off, and as soon as he grants the wish, the two slay queens just uh, start killing the professor. Yeah, yeah, they start to claw at him and mm. start biting him. Uh-huh. I mean, it's your first real bit of nudity for the franchise. I think it's about bloody time. Mm-hmm. After all the the amount of time they spent hinting at it, it's like yeah. okay, you know. Two ladies, they they, uh, they both seem to be very into the, the acting. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that they got paid well for it. And, yeah. I can hope so. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, I doubt it, unfortunately. Well, I mean, as, as paid as well as you can expect from Wishmaster 3, direct to, uh, direct to video. <laughs> um, well, the djinn takes the face off the dead professor and is able to steal his identity. Meanwhile, Katie is telling Diana how important it is that she tells Greg that she loves him. She even says, you're going to lose him, girlfriend. Yeah. So one, the big thing in this film is that Diana can't tell her boyfriend that she loves him. Yeah. 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 I I don't think there's a greater meaning to it. I mean, it's just... No, I, I don't either. But what pisses me off is, again, it's like I said in the last one. Now we're in a territory where we get the most boring, straight characters in cinema history. And, oh my God, this is... Their relationship is so uninteresting. I could not give a shit about it at all. 
I completely agree. I I just I just don't care. It's about just these it, there's nothing interesting. But there's nothing added no. to make them interesting. It's like a teen film where a girl's worried about saying I love you to a boyfriend. How fucking original! Billy meets Kate at her place. Now Billy's Kate's boyfriend. Um, calls her a sneaky little wench. People talk like that in two thousand and one, apparently. Mm-hmm. And then it, a bizarre series of events. They have sex in a dorm shared space. While some guy watches the music video for Coffee by Four Nine, yeah, the, behind the sofa. Why are they having sex he's... whilst he's there? Like it doesn't come back. It doesn't. No. It's really strange because the camera really makes a point of it as well. It's like, okay, yeah, right. The the exhibitionists. What's going? What, what are you going for? What is the reason? There is no reason apart from breasts. Yeah. The gin kills a secretary uh, by her wishing for files to burn up, but instead of the files, he burns her instead. Yeah. I mean... Yeah, I mean, that's just how it is. Just... just I don't know. I really... I genuinely... It sounds more interesting than it is. It's literally just her... Oh, no, you can't see the files. No, I want to see the files. No, you, you can't see the files. I'm sorry, you can't see the files. <laughs> And then he sets her, she wishes that the whole place will burn up because she hates her job so much. So he sets her on fire, which didn't quite make any sense. No. She, that's not what she wished for. No. Um, and then he just takes the file anyway. Yeah. And that's it. End of story. He, uh, he takes the student file of Diana in an effort to find her and force her to fulfil her three wishes. Diana speaks to Greg, Katie, and Billy about what's going on. Billy doesn't believe her because he's a douchey boyfriend, but the others give her a chance. They, they, kind mm, of. What they give her a chance, they, they kind of play into it, but also talk about sending her to a mental health facility. Yeah. Um. So they're just playing along for the most part mm-hmm. because they think that she's. You know, lost her faculties, as they, as they would say. Yeah. Um, yeah. Can I just say something? I don't think that any of these students would be doing ancient history together. No. <laughs> the characters are far too different mm-hmm. to be doing ancient history. It's true. And being in the same class. You know, there's the, the two guys, they're messing about in the, in the class. They're... Jocks, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm assuming from the thousands of teen movies that we've watched from this era, they're meant to be jock types. So I don't know yeah. why they're doing ancient history. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. No. Whilst the djinn looks for Diana, he asks Greg to make a wish, but he doesn't want to. The djinn's eyes glow red, and Greg realises Diana was right. Uh, Diana, who is now on the run, and she must endeavour to prevent the djinn from subjecting the entire world to Al's wrath. Diana and Greg go to a church for safety because we're now in uh, Christianity, Christianity Wishmaster 2.0. Mm-hmm. What's that? Christian, Christian Mingle Wishmaster. Christian Mingle. <laughs> um, but the djinn is there instead of the priest. Anne is now apparently the professor's teaching assistant. And uh, makes the wish of wanting to lose a little weight because she's a woman. And that's all women want to do. Yes. And, um, yeah, he does kind of 
body shame her as well. I mean, mm-hmm. Anne, I don't know if we're meant to see Anne as um, full-figured. Yeah, no, they... Because um... Jason Connery, he says something, doesn't he, about her probably needing to lose some weight? Yeah, in, in the words of uh, Helen Mirren, if the studio wanted... Uh... To prove a point with the scene, they cast the wrong actress. Yeah, well, yeah, I don't... I mean, she didn't look like she needed to lose any weight, but the characters are acting like, oh, yeah, yeah. you do look... Yeah, you probably could do lose a few pounds. Lord forbid they actually hire a fat actress, you know? Or, Give... just, or just don't have... Or just don't have this... A woman's wish yeah. being to lose weight. To try something else, something a little different. Well, she gets a wish and she pukes up her guts in pain. Yeah, and this is gross. This is actually gross. Both visually yeah. and the shtick of a woman wanting to lose mm-hmm. weight. Diana uses the first wish to start for Anne to stop having pain. But of course, to the gin, this means killing Anne. Yeah. Quickly disposes what of her. What a waste. She's practically dead anyway. Yeah. She'd waited, she'd waited so long. She's like, oh, oh, no, oh, oh, I don't know what to do. Oh, oh, no, I don't know what to do. Oh, she's practically dead anyway. In like, what? like, oh, I don't... Like, what, what? She's going to suck it all back up? Ew. In what is perhaps up there as the, if not part of the top five, most bizarre series of events we've ever discussed on this podcast... Because this comes out of nowhere. It does. You say bizarre, I say stupid. Same thing. <laughs> Call the whole thing off. Completely out of nowhere. In a film aimed at teenagers in 2001, Diana, noting that she's in a St. Michael church, uses another wish. No sign of her being religious before this point, by the way. No. Nothing at all. No. Uses another wish to summon the Archangel Michael with a fucking Minecraft sword who possesses the body of Greg. It was about to be her body, but Greg pushed her out of the way, so uh, the spirit went into him. That pisses me off. What the fuck? Yeah, that pisses me off. I'm sorry, how does she know the name of the fucking guy in the church window? I wouldn't have a fucking clue. But it's called St. Michael's Church. But, I mean, there's loads of... Those churches have loads of religious figures in the windows, right? Um, yeah, no, I suppose so. I uh, suppose, yeah. Like, she chose the right window. How did she remember the name of the church she was in? She was running away from... She was trying to escape from but a she fucking been, demon. I mean, I mean, she may be religious and have been there before. But she's... she's but they've trying, never mentioned it in the script. No, of course not. Of course they wouldn't. Um, it's so it's ridiculous. I I have I was my jaw was firmly on the ground. I could not believe they went there with this. And also the fact that he pushes her out of the way. What you mean? We almost had a chance at making her a little interesting and being a strong character. Exactly. Oh no! Push her out of the way quickly. We don't want that. Yeah. Oh no! Definitely should be a man playing this. Yeah, and she stands around watching whilst the fight ensues with the gin um, and. Archangel Michael. Um, yeah, she literally just stands there watching. She does. You know I hate that in films. The gin somewhat wins. 
Uh, but Michael and Diana escape into a stage theatre whilst the techno score plays. This adds like Mortal Kombat level techno music on the soundtrack. Wow, I wish. As the djinn tries to follow them, he goes a different way and encounters a female student named Eleanor who puts the moves on him because she loves older men. And he says, I'm older than you can ever imagine. What's her wish, Gary? She wants him to break her heart. And he literally does. Yeah, it's not even cool. No, her heart explodes. Yeah, we, we look inside like a chest, mm. don't we? And her heart explodes, but it's not it's not it's not cool. Yeah. It's shit. And what what's the two women's wishes? To lose weight and to have her heart. And to have her heart broken. No, it's almost like this film is not even written by women. Next, uh, the djinn goes into Diana's room where Billy is. Uh, Billy's killed by telling the djinn to blow him. So, of course he does. He blows his body into a wooden head of a ball and the horns pierce his body. Did he? Yeah. Bit silent like Deadly Night going on. Did I miss that? Um, probably. I must have given up by that point. I mean... That you... actually sounds quite interesting. I mean, it was fine. No. Yeah. If you were having a nap, I ain't judging you. I don't... <laughs> oh, very very professional of me. I must have completely <laughs> missed that scene. <laughs> I, I generally think I just gave up. I, just, I don't I mean, care. you probably don't remember it. Oh, I, I mean, don't remember well, look it. Look at we got these yeah. notes. Yeah. The gin then picks up a photo of Diana with her friends and threatens to hurt Katie unless Diana makes a third wish. Archangel Michael uh, has revealed to her that only by using his sword can she kill the gin. Oh, Lord. <laughs> the sword of a good man will destroy evil. There we go. <laughs> the sword of a good holy man. Um, she isn't ready, of course. And when he does try to give her the sword, it uh, burns her arm. But, of course, Archangel Michael heals it. Why do we need this? <laughs> what is this for? <laughs> Yawnsville. Fucking crack on with it. Get on with the fucking film. I don't care about this stupid sword bullshit. You don't love me, I love you crap. Fuck off. Carry on. And now, yeah, does Archangel Michael have any uh, advice on how to say I love you to your boyfriend? She needs that. Ugh. Kay happens to find the dead body of Billy and finds herself being pursued by the djinn in a science room. Where the gin tricks her into thinking she could successfully hide from him. Now this makes no sense. No. No sense no whatsoever. Sense. She wishes for a place to hide. Now, if this was Wishmaster One, mm. even Wishmaster Two, he would, you know, squeeze her into a tight space and that will crush her and kill her, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. This fucking gin sticks her head into a cage of lab rats that bite out her head. It doesn't even make any sense. How how you can how's that a place to hide? It's not a place to hide. It's a fucking cage. Sticking your head in a cage of rats. That's yeah. No. And, and it, it looks shit. It, it looks shit. I bet they're nice and friendly. Yeah, rats aren't always inclined to bite at your face. No. That's it's a terrible depiction of rats. I know. This is why I'm scared. Poor of them. Gary. Yeah. yeah. Are you sure you didn't watch this film when you were younger? Poor Gary's scared of rats, and this isn't helping. A second battle ensues between Michael and the gym, resulting in the gin's hand briefly being cut off by the sword, but it grows back. Michael escapes with Diana in a car, but the gin runs to the car, jumps on top of it, and tries to hurt them. So 
that Diana drives his side into another car, making him fall off. She then careens into an information post and the car is flipped, mimicking how her parents had died years earlier and using up the remaining budget of the film. Yeah, just to clarify... Why does this guy love car crashes? <laughs> just to clarify, when we say gin, we're not talking about the really cool costumed, you know, figure that you see on the posters. Oh, this is Spirit this Halloween. Is, this is Jason Connery. Oh, yeah, no, no, but when we see him in his actual... Yeah, no, but I'm, I'm talking about... Yeah, this is about... Jason Connery. So, so yeah. when he's on the yeah. car, when he's chasing them, when he's this, that, and the other, it's Jason Connery. Yeah, which is a little camp. Um, especially, like I said, means he looks like he's part of NSYNC. Yeah. And he's yeah, jumping on cars and everything. Uh, but when we see the gin in his true form, in this and in part four, it's like spirit Halloween costume. It looks so it, cheap. It does look cheap compared to the original. Yeah. And, and, the, and the second film, actually. Yeah, yeah it, it comes across a bit cheap. In the end, Diana's attempt to commit suicide by jumping off a building actually gives her the ability to wield Michael's sword. That makes no sense. And she kills the gin with it. But it is fatally injured when they both fall in the process. So, I mean, attempting to commit suicide means you're okay in God's eyes to wield a sword. What the fuck's that about? Yeah. Yeah, so so she killed... Isn't suicide a sin? Does, does that completely go against the Bible? No. She martyred us. She sacrificed herself. Oh, So it's about sake. martyring. So you have to martyr to become a saint. Um. So my question is, if Greg hadn't had got in the way... Yeah. Diana would have wielded the sword and killed the djinn after the scene in the church. Yeah. And saved me from this misery. Uh-huh. Okay. So Greg's the real villain here. Greg is the real villain here. Because why couldn't she have just... Will... You know, the sword was thrown at her and she should have caught it and been like, yes. A woman? killed the djinn. A woman being possessed by a man in 2001? Yeah. I don't think Chris Angel knows that gender's a construct. Michael, um... Heals her wounds. He doesn't know you need to tear it apart. Michael heals her wounds before returning to heaven. And Diana is finally able to admit she loves her boyfriend who has returned to normal. Right. And I have in my notes, fucking straight people. Yeah. That's what must have freed beyond the gates of hell. Ugh. We've been through the gates of hell for the last uh, hour and a half of when we were watching the film. And it was fucking torture. It it is it's torturous. It was really really bad. Um, we didn't even mention the fact that for a lot of the film, Saint Michael and Diana are bickering as well. Yeah, and like, he puts on a stupid voice when he gets possessed. He's like, Rrr. like he's meant to be an angel, and it's like <laughs> then you're acting like a dick. Like, what? What is this? I it's so muddled. I'm not sure what the film's meant to be about. If there's a message there, I didn't get it. If there's a with a plot like that, if it's a message that they're trying to give, I don't want that message. No I'm, cool no kills. The acting's terrible. I hated it. I hated yeah. it. And no wonder there's gaps in my memory of it. Because it just it was an abysmal time. But yeah, it's somehow better than Wishmaster 2. <laughs> Ratings, I give it one battle with the Archangel Michael and his Minecraft sword out of ten. I give it one dimensional depictions of women out of ten. <laughs> Masterpiece trash to be trash, basic a camp or a bunch of fun. It ran, it bordered on camp oh, at times. No. It bordered on trash to piece. Absolutely not. 
But it's trash. It's trash. It's trash. I'm sorry. It's trash. I, I just, I thought it had no redeeming qualities. I fucking hated it. It's available on DVD and video on demand of our Glow Review. Make sure you want to watch it. And if you enjoyed this, check out Final Destination 2, the better 2000s horror sequel, in which AJ Cook has to pretend to commit suicide in order to save the day. I I really struggled. I thought if you enjoyed this, check out the very worst moments from the later Nightmare on Elm Street films. <laughs> or like if, if you like college-based horror films from the uh, late 90s, early 2000s, just watch Urban Legends. Just watch Legend. American Pie. Just, just no, just watch Urban Legends. Yeah. Uh, Urban Legend 2 Final Cut. So finally, we've reached our final film. Wishmaster 4, The Prophecy Fulfilled from 2002. Honestly, these titles, fucking hell. This one makes more sense. Slightly more, yeah, but I mean, it's still stupid. Yeah. So, so lazy. Like, I'd Just rather have... Wishmaster 4. I'd rather have Wishmaster's Revenge or Wishmaster Returns, something like that. Um, yeah, directed again by Chris Angel, and this time written by John Benjamin Martin who wrote Gingerbread Miracle, Devil's Ooh. Diary, Legacy of Fear, Drop Dead Sexer, A Crime of Passion, The House Next Door, We'll Meet Again, and more. Right, okay. Now, as these films have gone on, Wishmaster had a $5 million budget, right? Yeah. Wishmaster 2 had $2.5 million, slowly oh. going down. Yeah. Wishmaster 3 had a... Uh, 1.5 million. Oh. Wishmaster 4 has a $500,000 budget. I see. And you can fucking tell. Yeah. Again, part three, production value. There's a drop down from two. Two was a drop down from one. This is a fucking... You know when you're on um, the Twilight Zone ride in Disneyland Paris and you get that huge drop that really makes your stomach go that's what this is that's exactly what this is this is a fucking drop in quality not when it comes to story or acting because i mean that's the exact same but production value this looks like a shot on video 90s cheap horror film yeah well this is looks like shit this is filmed back to back this is so yeah Bizarre. But it's a little like Sleepaway Camp 2 and 3. Mm. Because there's a real drop in quality between Sleepaway Camp 2 and Sleepaway Camp 3. Yeah. And it completely, apart from the uh, Pamela Springsteen, the whole cast is completely different. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it, the question, I mean, Sleepaway Camp 3 is far, far, far superior. Yeah. It's not even that great, but it's far superior oh, to this God, shite. Yeah. Um, but it does beg the question, well, why? Why didn't you just mm. make... The previous film. Did you better. have five hundred thousand dollars left over yeah, from the previous film? Why? You know, what is this the reason why, or did you set out to make two shoddy films? Well, it's that straight to video mentality. Like, I mean, they did it with Hellraiser, didn't they? They filmed two of those back to back as well, and I'm sure they probably did it with Children of the Corn, and it's fifty thousand in films. You know, it's just double the income from it. Yeah, you know, I I get it with like the eighties when they did like Halloween four and five back to back because I mean you know same characters and it made sense. But they weren't back to back, were they? I'm sure they were filmed back to back. Yeah, really. Yeah, and then you know Halloween Kills and Halloween Ends was intended 
to be mm. filmed back to back again. Yeah. Same character, same story, makes sense. But then this, you know, why? There's a whole, What's the point? Uh, like I said earlier, the, the Wishmaster franchise are four wholly completely different yeah. films. Completely different. With only one thing in common. This Wishmaster Jin character. Yeah. Well, for the final time, let's talk about who lost their minds and decided to be in this film. In a section we like to call, Hey, I Know You. Hey, it's d- finally nearly I don't over. Think we, I don't think we do, actually. In this film. Uh, Tara Spencer Nairn uh, is Lisa Burnley. She was in Ghosts, New Waterford Girl, Killjoys, Corner Gas, Here for Blood, which is uh, was that Fright Fest this year, oh. Christmas Around the Corner, the day Santa didn't come. Oh, oh no. no. Blue balls for Santa. Cancel Christmas and more. She was in a film called Rob and Tug. <laughs> That's the day Santa did come. <laughs> oh no. It's a business doing pleasure for you. The new manager of a full body massage parlour must make sure his employees do not grant sexual favours to clients. That sounds awful. And Santa wanted a client. Santa. Uh, Maybe, potentially. Okay, I'm, I'm giving up on my Santa Claus ejaculating jokes. Thank you. Uh, Michael Do us all a favour. Michael Truco plays Stephen Verdell. Uh, he was in Next, Hush, somehow. Okay. He was in Hush. Yeah. Hunter Killer, uh, Battlestar Galactica, The Bye Bye Man, The Midnight Club, Midnight Mass, Big Shot, Young Sheldon, and more. So I assume he's friends with Mike Flanagan. Hush, Midnight Club, Midnight Mass. Yeah, maybe. So, yeah, I mean, he's, he's, I don't think he got the uh, roles from his performances in this film. That's that's for certain. John Novak's back as the gin, and Victoria Webster plays Hunter. Uh, not Victoria, Victor. Yep. I apologise for my getting names. Victor Victoria. I, I mean, I wish it was a Victoria, so we had more women in this goddamn film. Work, yeah, he was in Working Mums, Scorpion King 4, Quest for Power. The fact that they even got to 4. Blows my mind. Surrogates, Bringing Down the House, Sex and City. Nice. Nice. Don't know. I'm not recognising Oh, that. wow. That's unusual. Uh, a Christmas Cookie Catastrophe. <laughs> nice. I'd like to watch that. Five Star Christmas and more. I hear if you watch Five Star Christmas and you give it five stars, it you complete Letterboxd. I was... Is he the, uh, oh, he looks like the romantic lead in these ones as well. Of course he is. Oh, lovely. Christmas cookie catastrophe. That is definitely on the list. It makes me laugh that so many of these are in these shitty Christmas films, these Hallmark Christmas films, because this has the exact quality of one of those. <laughs> if it was filmed on a camcorder. Um, yeah. I'm happy to say, are you excited for me to say, it's time to discuss our Final feature presentation. Hooray. Listeners are like, boo, no, we want more. No, we want less. <laughs> As you wish. The third wish has been made. You must grant it and free your brothers.
is over. As in the previous films, an evil genie is released from his prison and must grant three wishes to the person who awakens him in order to release the race of Jin from Hao and allow them to take over the earth and we get a born and straight couple at the centre of it. And that's Wishmaster 4, everyone. Yeah. Um, so, one start. All done. We start with the same speech from the start of the first film, yet this time it's not read by Angus Scrim, so it's not as interesting. Painter Sam and his girlfriend Lisa have just moved in together. Yay. We get to see them having sex and Sam... <laughs> oh, yeah. Straight away. So the film literally opens with Sam and Lisa having sex in their new home. Yeah. They don't even close the front door. They don't. They don't. <laughs> they don't. The door is like wide open. There's, the place looks a little derelict, not going to lie. And they don't... They're gagging for it so yeah. much that they just have to get onto their brand new bed and shag. Yeah. And they even break the bed. They do? They shag they do. so hard. I mean, yeah. this, and if you're like, oh, why, why are we starting with this? <laughs> like, is this an erotic thriller? Is this what we're getting? God, I wish. No, the big, huge story in this film <laughs> is the fact that Lisa will not shag Sam after he had, spoiler alert for what Gary's about to say, after he has a terrible accident. This is the main plot point. Yeah. Is Sam is desperate Mm -hmm. for a shag and Lisa will not put out. Yeah. That is it. And let me tell you now, these are the most Boring straight characters out of any of these films. And that's a fucking... That's a low bar. These are really boring. I have never seen characters this boring in my life. And the performances have no life in them whatsoever. And it is a fucking pain to sit through. This is one of the worst films I've ever seen. Might be top five. It's true. It's true. And the, the main culprits are... This Sam and Lisa characters, yeah. they are so dull. Yeah, I'm honestly, it ends up in a I, I'm, spoiler. Alert, it ends up in a love triangle with the Jin. I'm not. I'm not even joking. This is officially a romantic film. Um, check on IMDb. Honestly, why is he bothering? Why is he bothering? There are much more interesting women in this film that he could uh, try and get on with. And fucking out. Oh my god. But even the gin... Okay, no, we'll get into it. We'll get into yeah, it. we'll get into Three it. Three years later, Lisa meets up with their lawyer, Stephen, another boring straight man, and they talk about how Sam has had a terrible accident, and Stephen mentions the way Sam treats her. We don't even see the accident. No. I'm sorry, it could we have been... a car crash a in the last film. beginning, yeah. seeing the accident, where we don't even see the you accident. Know, well, we know Chris Angel loves shooting a car crash, you know, fucking throw one in. Well, he had, like, what, half the budget? <laughs> That's true. He, um, Stephen tries kissing her and she drops a box on the floor which contains a jewel which Stephen had found hidden away in an antique desk. Wonder what that jewel is. Stephen offers uh, Lisa the jewel which, unknown to Stephen, is the gin sal. Yeah, this is so random as well. There's no... With this jewel, this ruby, this opal or whatever the fuck it is, mm-hmm. number one, it's always looked cheap. Even in it the has, first film, yeah. it's always looked a bit cheap. <laughs> it gets cheaper as you go along. 
but they just find it in the most random places. Mm-hmm. There's no, at least with the first one, you had the backstory, you had, you know, all the, the fighting, and then it was in a statue, all, all that shit. But the two, three, and four, it's just like randomly there without any real backstory to it. Yeah. It's like, why is it in this end? It's just, here you go. I found this. Yeah, it looks like, um, it also looks like something you'd win in a 2P machine in Blackpool. Look it up, American it listeners. genuinely, genuinely looks like a shoddy key ring that Gary won <laughs> for me once and forced me to put on my keys. Hey, you got the gin on your keys. That was made of plastic. Um, official Wishmaster merchandise. Available on 2P machines in Blackpool. Lisa, um, they'll have them in America, won't they? 2P machine? No. Yeah, the one that the one sense is it sent that they call them in America? Oh, of course it wouldn't be 2P. I'm not. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not thick. Uh, Take your 2Ps to America. Get them past customs. I'm not a moron. It would obviously be in their currency. But I mean, when you put you put it in and it drops down and then pushes and you try and get the coins out. I mean, I hope so. Surely, surely, like I hope they have them in Vegas. They, well, Coronation like, Street one. Is it Coney Island? <laughs> what was the one they, they went to when uh, Steve was opening up a uh, hot dog stand? <laughs> Coney Island. Yeah. Yeah. Not our good friend Steve from Sex and the City. Let's, Sex let's just get City. it out of there. <laughs> oh, yeah. Our good friend Steve. <laughs> They're not good friend Steve. We ain't got a friend Our Steve. good friend Steve Brady just opening up his own hot dog stand. Steve Brady. Lisa doesn't take it, but... Is his name still Brady Brady? Oh, shit, yeah, it would be. Well, it would. Be, it was Brady Hobbs, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. But then he doesn't like his mum, and just so, like that. So he'd have to change the name so to Brady he, Brady. He kind of took Steve's side, so he changed his name to Brady Brady. <laughs> I'm giving him far too much personality there. Um, Lisa doesn't take it, but she... The, the jewel... But she, well, <laughs> she does it for a good part of the film now. Yeah. But she inadvertently awakens the gin when she drops it. Uh, when she dropped the box and picked up the jewel, Sam's accident, as as Chris mentioned, um, has left him paraplegic. Uh, when the bones in his lower legs are fractured, due to his condition, Sam grows ever more distant from Lisa, ruminating on his and Lisa's inability to have sex. Now she refuses to. And believing that she is having an affair with Stephen. Because she just loves a boring, conventionally handsome, straight white man. The exact type. Yes, definitely. Lisa finds that Sam has been giving himself a treat to a website called Voyeur's Vixens. And honestly, I wish I was watching Voyeur's Vixens instead of this film. He has been, he's been drinking and watching Voyeur's Vixens. And it's the cheap, again, and a really cheap looking website. It is. Even for two thousand and two, uh-huh. um, and very grainy picture of this a woman with a bum out or mm-hmm. um, what's it called like tan like a very pale backside and the yeah. rest of us quite tanned. It's like okay, so if he's yeah, I I know I won't get into it. Let's let's not because the idea I I initially that the idea was that he wasn't able to mm-hmm. but seemingly he is able to yeah she's just not wanting to yeah there's okay. only his legs that were damaged in uh... well it, it 
It depends where the yeah mm. yeah. I, I don't want to you know we're not doctors. So. But yeah, I don't want to speculate too much. But I was under the impression that he wasn't able to, and that's mm-hmm. what had upset him so much. But if he is, you know, doing the five knuckle shuffle <laughs> to Voyeur's vixens, then surely he's able to. Yeah, and it's Lisa yeah. that's like, no, I don't want mm-hmm. to. Because then, strangely, she has a shower with the door open. Mm-hmm. Um, the shower appears to be in their bedroom. <laughs> um, and Sam watches her from the doorway. When she opens the shower curtain, she quickly grabs her towel, horrified at him seeing her. Um, and I'm confused. Because it's, it's not uh, painting her in a good light, no, is it? No, he just wanted a bit of 4D Voyage Vixens, you know. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, I suppose so. The gin secretly kills Stephen and takes his phone. But before that, Stephen's like, uh, "God damn it!" And the gin's like, "Not quite." Like, oh my god! Stop copying Hellraiser! Fucking hell! The gin refers to granting a wish, yet Stephen didn't make a wish. Um, the franchise has now completely forgotten its law. So literally, yeah. it, this this film. The gin just goes around killing people. Yeah. Like, it, 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 you don't need to make a wish. No. So, again, what is the point in this film? Exactly. It's like the Queen's nose without rubbing the Queen's nose. <laughs> it is, yeah. Yeah, you have to rub the Queen's nose t- to make your wish. American listeners, please Google that, because it sounds way worse than it actually is. The Queen's uh, <laughs> The gin begins making advances on uh, Lisa to trick her into making wishes. She first wishes for the case on Sam's condition to be won. So, in a bizarre series of events, the Jinn calls the opposing attorney and forces him to torture himself until he signs a settlement for $10 million. Again, didn't wish for any of this. No. No wish was involved. No. It it, it's, it doesn't make any sense. It's forgetting its own law that yeah. was established in the previous films. Because her wish, you know, it should come back on her in, in yeah. a way, shouldn't it? Yeah. The thing is, it's like, if you want to make a demon love story film, do it. Why Why call it Wishmaster? Why bring this costume into it of him as the djinn? You know, what, what's the point? Yeah. What is the point? It should have been gay. It should have been. This should have been gay. It should have been. This should have been gay Wishmaster. It should have been directed by David Dakota. Yeah. It should have been yeah. ripping off the hunger. Mm-hmm. The djinn next takes Lisa out to a restaurant called The Palace to celebrate the winning of the case. Asking her what she wishes for the most. When she says she wishes Sam could walk again, of course, the djinn grants this wish, enabling Sam to walk, but not repairing the injuries that left him paralysed. Which doesn't really come up. I mean, it's... He's in pain for this one scene. Oh, I'm in pain. Yeah, then after that, he can walk again. And then he just mentions being in pain. Yeah. But it doesn't really affect... He's just walking around... Injuring the moment. Yeah. Um... I have no, absolutely no idea why Sam's painful rise to walking again is intercut with the Queen performing a belly dance at the restaurant. <laughs> not the Queen, not Elizabeth. A Queen. But a Queen. Um, no idea why that's intercut. No. Really, they, she's given a great performance. Makes no sense. Is her belly dance making him walk? Yeah. Also at the restaurant, the waitress wishes she could be kissed like a nearby young couple were kissing. Uh, her wish comes true when men begin kissing her on the lips and 
women kiss her on the cheek. Of course. Of course. 2002. Of course. They next go to Stephen's place where they share champagne. Um, whilst getting more for them to drink, the gin hears Lisa while she uh, wish, wish that she could love Stephen for who he really is. Aware that his true form will lose her forever, he is unable to grant the third wish right away. So, and I shit you not. The djinn then, for a massive chunk of this film, spends much time trying to decipher human love in order to make Lisa truly love him, and in the process develops feelings for her. Yes. The djinn from the first three films that had no interest in shagging anyone Ugh. is now in love. Oh, and it's not even played for laughs. Absolute load of crap. This is played straight. Like, extremely Too straight. straight. Like, no joke. This isn't a comedy. No camp, no irony. No. Straight up, Yawnsville, Yawnfest, Yawnapalooza. Yeah. Yawnbury Festival. It's awful. It yeah. really is so tedious and boring. Fucking gin trying to find the meaning of love. Mm-hmm. So, oh, fuck off. Fuck off. Yeah. He has a heart to heart with Tracy, <laughs> another character, because um, we actually get. Uh, another female character in this we film. We do. Um, about who... Uh, she she wishes he wants some great sex, doesn't she? Well, he's asking... So, Tracy is well aware of Lisa and Sam's problems. Mm-hmm. Despite them being married, you know, they've got problems. So, what's his name? Steve, Stephen? Stephen. I don't fucking The gin. The gin asks Tracy about how he can get Lisa. And she's like, <laughs> oh, I'll tell you. Oh, is she married, is she? Who cares? Sanctity <laughs> of marriage. This one's not as religious, is it? No. Well, I mean, not yet. Tracy tells him that he needs to give her some killer sex and then wishes for killer sex herself. We all know where this is going. Uh-huh. She's then, of course, made to orgasm so much, she's halfway up the wall. She's took halfway up uh-huh. the wall and orgasms so much that she dies. Yeah. There we are. Of course. Which could have been really camp and fun and silly, um, but it wasn't. It was just a bit tedious. Is this your favourite film featuring a love triangle with a character called Lisa? Um, oh, good gracious, <laughs> no. This makes The Room like a fucking masterpiece. Oh, uh, yeah, of course, The Room. Yeah. The gin goes to a strip club where a dancer is slain way harder than this film deserves. <laughs> And uh, he's he's at the bar and he's like, uh, what do you suppose would make a woman like that fall in love? And the barman's like, a fat wallet. And then a waitress is like, and a fatter dick. <laughs> it, this film doesn't... doesn't. Now, if this film um, was self-aware, slay. then he would wish himself to have a massive cock. Oh, I mean, yeah. and I would have been there for that, but no. Missed opportunity. It's true. An angel goes to Lisa's store to try and find her. I, no, seriously, here we go. Random, We've got another angel. Random. Yeah. This angel straight from an Abercrombie and Fitch modelling shoes mm-hmm. um, appears looks and like tries he, to kill Lisa. Yeah, he looks like he brought uh, Bring Me to Life by Evanescence on CD single. Um, looks like a fake goth, though. Yeah, no, it's it's giving. Yeah, no, it's giving modeling. Yeah, he, he. I'm assuming he at some point was part of Magic Mike or 
the Chippendales. Um, Lisa's colleague. I don't even know his name. Is he just mm, just an angel? Is it just angel? I mean, I haven't got a name here for. No, him. I haven't got a name either. Uh, Lisa's colleague greets him, and uh, she's like, "Oh, who's the lucky girl you're shopping for?" Oh boy! Like, yes, yeah. progressive queen. It's about time. Uh, we get the F slur again soon. Don't worry. Um, Wait, is he Hunter? Oh, he might be Hunter. He might be Hunter. The romantic lead from um, the Christmas Cookie Catastrophe. Yeah, I mean that makes sense, it would make doesn't sense, it? Yeah. Or is he? Um, is he Brick? Who's Brick? <laughs> if he's Hunter and he's there to hunt the gin, do you think that's just a little bit too on the nose? <laughs> maybe, maybe. But also, would it surprise you? No, no. That's uh, lazy writing. The poor colleague uh, gets decapitated. Oh, she does, yeah, she does. By an angel. <laughs> yeah. By like... an angel, a person who's there to destroy evil. Exactly. It's not really specified why angels are going around killing innocent <laughs> people. Yeah. The security guard at the strip club uh, that the gin is at has a fight with him after calling him the F-slur because we just had a bit of progressiveness. You yeah. Know? Can't have that for much longer. The gin crushes his hand. And also he calls him the F-slur after he was uh, trying it with a pole dancer. Mm. So yeah. it doesn't really make sense. Again, no. not necessary. Mm. The gin crushes his hand, sets it on fire and throws him into the bin. Yes. Because we've only got a $500,000 budget. Yes. An angel, uh, the, the angel, attempts to kill Lisa to prevent the third wish from being granted to her, which would cause the release of uh, all gin and an ensuing Armageddon. However, Stephen arrives and sends her away to safety. The angel and the gin fight, with the gin eventually winning the battle and killing the angel. Now, this looks like one of the uh, straight-to-video, shot-on-video 90s horror films we watched. Um, I can't remember which one it was, but this looks exactly like that. It's just it's in a park, true. just yeah. in a random park. Yeah. Uh, the gin's in full cheap costume. Mm. It it looks awful. It does. It does. Um, I know which one you're talking about. I can't remember. Is it Wolf Moonchild or something? It like may that? have been. Yeah. Moon, yeah. yeah Moonchild. It's given direct to video. Yeah. Yeah. Stephen later arrives at Lisa's house and they have sex in the living room. Is it direct to video? No, it's not direct to video. What's it called? Shot on video. video. Yeah. Um, yeah, Stephen and Lisa have sex. They have sex, yes. Lisa realises she has missed having sex, but does not love Stephen. The thanks of the dick, don't love you though. Yeah. Stephen asks Lisa very em- em- emphatically Thank you. Uh, if she truly loves him for who he is in an attempt to make her grant a third wish. However, she's taken aback and absolutely repulsed by his pushiness. Like, Mate, I just wanted a bit of cock. Yeah. I mean, don't bring this shit on to me. She had cock at home. I really don't understand. <laughs> it's not Can really... we get some cock? No, we've got cock at home. It's not really <laughs> stated why Lisa refused or have sex with Sam. You know, the opening of the film is them gagging for it so yeah. much they can't keep their hands off each other. Mm-hmm. So if the only reason that Lisa doesn't want to have sexual relations with her husband is because he's disabled, that does not paint her in a very good light. No, no. Considering, you know, she's staying with him, mm-hmm. you know, if, if she's really not wanting to be with him in that way, and it's very important to him, 
well, why doesn't she leave him? Yeah, Rather exactly. than upset him all the time yeah. about this thing. And, and yeah. just, you know, if it's because he's disabled, that doesn't, it doesn't sit well with me. Mm-hmm. It doesn't seem right that she no. would be the lead for the film. No. It doesn't make sense. Well, the Jin brethren make their presence known and they look fucking awful. These look like rubber masks. They do, yeah. They didn't look great. Um, and they're surrounded by CGI fire. They force Lisa to flee. Um, using his magic to make the upstairs a looping maze, Stephen brings Lisa back to the bedroom and reveals his true form to her, <gasps> offering Lisa a choice. Take his hand as the second in command when the Jin race takes over the world or be cast down to another dimension of hell. Much like watching all these films in a row. <laughs> yeah. Sam returns and tries to save the day after disappearing for a while uh, with the angel's sword, but is stabbed by the djinn. Whilst the djinn is attempting to convince Lisa to take his hand, Sam signals Lisa to push the djinn through the blade, which is sticking out of Sam. Lisa does so, and both the djinn and Sam perish. Lisa makes it out of the house and looks back at it, remembering the happier times she and Sam shared, and now she's thinking, fuck, what am I going to do? I've got to go on a dating site and look for yet another boring straight white man. Exactly. And that's Wishmaster 4. That's Wishmaster 4. The prophecy has been fulfilled. Thank God that's over with. What a load of shite. Really, just... Genuinely one of the worst ones I've ever seen. Dolly's boring, excruciating films that I've ever had the mispleasure to watch. Like, genuinely... um, yeah, I can't think of a positive thing. I'm sorry, I no, can't think of a positive no, there's thing nothing. to say about it. For ratings, I give it one painfully boring heterosexual love triangle out of ten. I gave it one year's subscription to Voyeur's Vixens <laughs> out of ten. And it's trash. It's trash. I'm sorry, it's trash. Available on DVD and video on demand. And if you enjoyed this, I recommend checking out Past Lives. Past Lives? <laughs> <laughs> Dickhead. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be in for a lovely surprise in regards to the changing quality. If you <laughs> three to tango. <laughs> if you enjoyed this, check out all the worst Hellraiser sequels. Yeah, like it was really even nail up great nail in comparison great. to this. If you en- if you actually enjoyed this, then yeah, yeah. check out some absolute shite. Let's get to the awards. Oh, let's do. So, as uh, our regular listeners will know, we give awards out uh, at the end of each episode, but this is a Fruity Years episode, only one film will get each award. Uh, and let me tell you now, Wishmaster 4 is not getting any. The biggest queen has got to go to Alex in Wishmaster. Yes, I went with Alex from Wishmaster. Set the Definitely. bar so high to the point it can never be topped again. Biggest gasp, I have the moment the Archangel Michael became a character in Wishmaster 3. <laughs> My biggest gasp was homophobia. Well, yeah. I said, well, did get an award. <laughs> yeah. Two and four. Yeah, maybe, yeah, two and four. Yeah, it's true. Best dialogue, it has to be, now hold on a minute, forget what our culture is made of the gin. forget Barbara Eden, forget Robin Williams. To the peoples of ancient Arabia... A gin was neither cute nor funny. It was something else entirely. It was the face of fear itself in Wishmaster. I went with, what an insufferable prick that man is. (laughs) 
And finally, that's camp. Uh, I have the gin turning sales clerk Ariella into a mannequin for eternal beauty. Oh, that is in camp. Wishmaster. Yeah, the Donna Summer mannequin. Yeah. That is camp. Yeah, I'll. Um, I just put Wendy. <laughs> but, yeah, no, I agree. The Donna Summer uh, mannequin definitely camp. And that's it. Let us know your favorite Wishmaster film on social media. We're Horrorcore Trash over on Facebook and Instagram. Horrorcore Trash on Twitter. I'm DelightGaz92 on Letterboxd, Gazmo205 on Instagram, and GazCruz92 on Twitter. I'm ChrisBarker823 on Instagram and Letterboxd. And if you've made films better than Wishmasters 2, 3, and 4, submit them to Gasp Horror yes. Festival. And check us out across all social media for all the links you need. Give us a rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes, like a phone left for an house, unless you directed Wishmaster 3 and 4. Next week is double episode I'm sorry. Week. I'm sorry. Do not apologise to Chris Angel. Use the F-slip for no I, reason. I try and find... I do try and find some redeeming qualities for some of these films. I, I genuinely do. I don't want to just, like, trash everything. And I understand it's part of the podcast. But irredeemable, I'm yeah. sorry. Just really, really bad. And, yeah, the homophobia didn't help. So, yeah. Well, I'm sure there'll be an improvement next week with our double episode week, where on Tuesday we'll be discussing She-Devil. Yes. That's camp, darling. And on Friday we'll be discussing Invaders from Mars as a bit of a build-up to Halloween Ooh. for an original versus remake episode. Yes, getting you in the Halloween spirit. Even Ooh. though we'll probably do it Hopefully, hopefully. Yeah, I'd okay. like to think so. We're back same time, same place next week. Bye. Bye.